all these things you you put together over time where I had, was originally going to buy a house to rent out in about 2012. And I had talked to a buddy who was a mortgage broker and he's like, man, you're buying at a retail price. Why the heck would you do that? And he was basically explaining to me what the burr process was before I even had heard of bigger pockets or any of that kind of stuff. And so he had kind of put that little nugget in my head and then moving forward and moving forward and moving forward and hearing different things and reading books and podcasts and everything. So all those bits and pieces had changed my mindset to get into flipping houses and getting into rental properties and just kind of put it all together. You know, we always say, you know, if we knew then what we know now, we would be, you know, so much further along. And I, and I truly believe in that. But today, like, what do we need to know today? Who do we need to talk to? What books do we need to read? What do we need to know today that's going to exponentially grow us to the next thing? So in 12 months, you can't look back and go, well, you know, uh, I'm in the same place I was. Welcome to Rhea Radio, episode 41 with Andy McCormick. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> it's not like it's Japanese. I mean, <laughs> how can you mess up McCormick? I mean, no? You're listening to Rhea Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RiaRadio.com. Owen Dashner, wow. 36 <laughs> years old and Andy McCormick just murdered that one. I oh I thought you were talking about me. I was flattered. Thirty six years old. Uh, no, yeah, Andy, great dude. We've all seen him around, and and the funny thing about Andy is he was like Andy. Okay, guys, if you're not watching this on video, Andy's a good looking dude. Like even dudes can acknowledge that he's a good looking. I mean, dude, right? old, old guys like this definitely check out guys so, like Andy. So Andy rolls up typically <laughs> to the the Rhea and the uh, Omaha real estate meetup in a Lambo, and just like mic drop gets out. He's like, "What's up, y'all?" You know, he's not like that, but you'll see in the episode. Well, funny thing is, I I ne- I always see the Lambo at the at the meetup, but yeah. I never knew who drove it. And I always talk to Andy, and I, but I had no idea who. I'm like, who's the guy that drives the Lambo here every time? Yeah, that that's Andy. So the so he has. It's very funny though. And I'm a car guy, so I love. I that. know you are, and I'm not, but I appreciate. You know, I know what a Lambo is. I mean, I'm one that does the car washes every every, every day, every, every day, like yeah. a weirdo. Um, yeah. So a- Andy is. He has a, such a great story. So he's got uh, – he owns a couple of car washes. He's got some rentals. He's got some 18, flips that he 18 does. rentals. Yeah. And uh, just – he has – and here's what I just learned the other night that we didn't talk about in the episode. So at the at the meetup on Wednesday this week, Andy mentioned that he's been to a t- like several mastermind and um, like conferences – so he's learned from like he's learned a lot, and I think he's connecting with a lot more people. So I would bet you that if we got together with Andy a year from now, he's probably going to double and triple and and whatever after that. I think he's got exponential growth coming up. Well, I like to think that everybody we bring on in the podcast is at that level. The catalyst—that's what we are. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the growth formula right here. Right. Yeah. I mean, most people were 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 taking away their podcast virginity. 
<laughs> That's true. That, that is true. And including Andy. Including Andy. Yeah. 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 So it, it was going. And we found out. I actually found out I went to the same high school as Andy, but I'm just a couple years older than him. Not, not like not like you were like you're a decade That's older. That's hurtful and mean. <laughs> um, anyway, anti-bullying lobby. Hashtag. Uh, oh, look, you're hashtagging at your age, buddy. Good job. That's God, man. This is elder Hashtag abuse. Hashtag elder abuse. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so no, Andy. Andy has a, such a cool story, and he's a great dude. Like I, I like him. Like we, like I hang, like I like hanging out with him. I like talking to him. Like he's just one of those guys that you meet, and you would never know that he's killing it in in real estate and business and he's got a ton of stuff going on like just great guy well you know so like i said he has two car washes 18 single families he bought his first property in 2016 so in in comparison he's going a little bit slower than most people were working with well yeah maybe but he also owns like a um what is it a how do they how do they describe that a uh, scratchless dent repair or what, what paint, is paint, it? Paintless, paintless, paintless dent, dent repair. Removal. Yeah, and he's, business. And he's done that for years. Yeah, and and he's like, an he's an entrepreneur of you know he's got lots of different business going. I think that the the from that conversation that we just had that the properties that he's building is is eventually going to be a supplement to take over everything else. Yeah, he's got uh he's got an eye on what is needed and he has designs on basically filling those needs for whatever he's interested in. That that's what I like about him. So he sees opportunities and he fits the solution to, you know, solve problems in those. Well, one thing I, I thought was kind of interesting and it's a, kind of a little bit of a a golden nugget if you would say. But uh he, I would say I would say is it a golden, golden nugget? nugget. Yeah, so Andy's golden nugget was that he does all his uh calculators on the BP calculators. So, uh if you're not familiar with this, Bigger Pockets, which was what we've referred to as BP, has a burp calculator. They have a uh, burp calculator? Burr. Oh. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Burr. So, if you go to their uh website, it should be under I think it's under don't quote me on this. Tools and then calc or biggerpockets.com slash calc. And they have a bunch of different uh they have rental property calculators, flip calculators, wholesaling calculators, and burr. Burr. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but you can go in those calculators. there's actually I mean, they're really in depth. They they yeah. they can project the, they they do a pretty good job projecting the future for you. And if you're a person that doesn't have that team member, partner, or real estate agent that's in your back pocket that can do these calculations for you, yep. this is a way that you can do it yourself. Yeah, great tip. Yeah, I love it. That and was today's golden, golden nugget. nugget. And I tell you what, the the burr, the when it comes to burr calculators, uh, running that on a performance is not easy. There isn't no, like no. There's a lot. There's a lot of assumptions you have to plug into that. Yeah. So um, yeah, but Andy, uh, great dude. Um, he's got such an interesting story. I think a lot of people might find this relatable, just in different parts of their lives, right? So um, he's done uh, really. You know, he's got rentals, flips, he's done car wash investments, he's gone to like several different multifamily conferences. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's a player in the multifamily business locally or maybe even out of the market. But he's Soon. not but he's not a player because he's married. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to that. Yes. Uh Andy. And he's uh, so state li- listen to this. So he's got a couple of really funny uh car car wash stories that he's witnessed over the years after owning them. 
Um, we should we should record the ones he told us. Off I know. Air. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's much better ones. Like if you don't mind off color stuff, there's uh, there's a lot better ones we could tell. Just ask line. just ask us at a meetup or or, uh, or hit us up on Instagram. And uh, you got O Dog twenty four over here. O Dog two four two four two four two four, and then you, or you can hit me up on the Rio Radio one, and we'll tell you some of those colorful stories. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, tell me some about your meetings and things that you've been doing over the past week. Oh, so okay, I found out who the mystery review was that we had. Uh, I think three weeks ago, it was oh uh, the Owen Easy Lover, e. the Owen yeah. Lover, yeah, the Owen. Oh, I don't think it was Owen Lover. That sounds. Weird. Owen fanboy? No, it was uh was it Owen fanboy? No. Uh I mean it was something like that. Okay, so he, I got it right here. <laughs> Owen Lover? That I, sounds I, it, here's the here it is. Uh he goes, I download the title is download iTunes just to review this. He goes, I think very little of myself as I am an Android device user by choice. However, I downloaded iTunes solely to give the pod some love, tremendous conversations, actionable insights, and golden nuggets. Presumably soon to be sponsored by the downtown Las Vegas Hotel and Casino, which shares the same name. As a big Owen fanboy, fanboy, okay, with an eerily similar background, I love this podcast. And being shouted out by a guest as a recommended agent was a huge bonus. There's a, that's like our first clue there. Love the live look-ins on the Facebook Live, especially when the camera pans the unsuspecting Denless Bertrand <laughs> and color me impressed. Aspiring Owen. Okay, so Aspiring Owen ends up being Ethan Hamilton. Oh, Ethan. And so Ethan is, uh, man, we've never met. And, and so we had never met up until last week. So Ethan uh, reaches out to me through Facebook, and he's like, hey, got to come clean. I'm Easy E or whatever his yeah. uh, handle was on that, right? And uh, I'm like, oh, my God. And so the funny thing is he is one of the very first people I ever interacted with on on uh, Bigger Pockets. So did, like, the city search on Bigger Pockets. Ethan Hamilton, he is an agent, but he also works full-time for LinkedIn and is just a great dude, like, funny charismatic like works i mean linkedin is and and so he we had lunch at uh linkedin's offices on they have a newly built uh not headquarters but they have a newly built like site on 130th and pacific ish in omaha in omaha and so i went there and they have legit like a full-on free breakfast and lunch for all the employees and it, I, I signed an nda which is super weird i had to sign a non-disclosure agreement are you allowed to talk about these free lunches i don't know i didn't read the fine print i'm old man <laughs> i didn't i didn't enlarge it with my phone um so i think but I, so? en- I enlarged the notes for you if nowadays. we get yeah, a letter that? from linkedin my apologies so we um we actually we had lunch there so i was walking through i'm like you're telling me that they will custom make breakfast and lunch for everybody here for free and that's true. So I was walking through and I'm like, there's like six or seven different little restaurants. So I had like a custom made personal pan pizza, like a barbecue chicken pizza. I was like, this is bananas. So I had lunch there. And then he takes me up to the, like this, uh, the fourth level, which Didn't has you, a, wait, is it bananas or a barbecue chicken? Bar- I got confused. Bananas on the barbecue chicken. Yeah. No, that's not, I'm kidding. That's not a thing. Uh, or nor is pineapple. That's weird. People don't eat pizza. Don't eat pizza that has pineapple on it. Anyway, so we go, he's like, we got to go up to the fourth floor. And I'm like, what's on the fourth floor? It's mystery. So we go up there and they have a $125,000. I don't know if that's public knowledge. $125,000 golf simulator on the fourth floor. So we played like a couple holes on that. Owen's like drooling. Yeah. And and he, so 
Ethan's a stud. We got to give it on this on an episode here, and he's got uh, five rental properties. He's done some uh, other investments outside of that. He's got a recruiting background, just like me. It was like honestly, it was like meeting a like Owen Jr. Like he he has a ton of the same background and interests as I do. Like he's he's cool. You would, you would love him, Denless, Ted. Did you see? You would love him. Did you see the grin on his face when he did that? He could turn all red and he's like rubbing his chest. It's uh, just like meeting oh, myself. That's weird. No, <laughs> I don't. That's strange for everyone. But uh, good dude, Ethan Hamilton. Would love to get him on the show. Ethan, I'm calling you out. You're coming on. So uh, well, he'd now, be here. <laughs> he'd be here. Yeah. All right. So. That was my meeting for the week. What about you? Anything going on? I just been uh, really busy with uh, trying to get this national or not national, the the statewide RIA going uh, with the national RIA, and so finally getting the business plan up and running. Hopefully, have this done in the next couple of weeks so we can do our expansion project. Um, had my first meeting with my team to do our uh, our two day real estate convention, and. Uh, Looking that we're going to be probably in the uh, uh, second week of March is what we're looking at. And uh, so we're going to do a two-day convention with a couple keynotes. We're going to do like breakout sessions, uh, like a breakfast, lunch, happy hour, first day breakfast, lunch, uh, and a party on the on the last night. Uh, probably looking at like a Thursday, Friday. You don't have the day snailed down yet. I though. do, but I want to. I don't want to put them out just yet. So uh, we'll, we'll have a hopefully have a big announcement in the next probably about four to six weeks. Okay, and this is for real estate agents. No, this is going to be um, through. This is going to be a RIA sponsored event. Okay, and we're going to advertise like a four state area mm-hmm. and on here, so nationally. And uh, we will be having a real estate conference, kind of like going to like a BP con or something like that. So our, yeah, uh, I'm going into it with a goal of having 500 people come, but I just got notified this morning that the venue can physically seat 350 for like the lunches and meals. Whoops. We have nine conference rooms. So there, if we want everybody in the same room, we got, we got to stay within those limits. But my mentality is that, you know, if we, maybe we still stick with the same venue, but if we get to a point that we hit above 350 and we get, then I'll look at a couple larger venues that are in town because then I'll have the resources to be able to, to afford those. Hmm. Awesome. So that that's what I'm working on, and it's kind of like uh, remind me what date that was. I'm not telling you. <laughs> For se- second week of March. I'm trying to catch you. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at second week of March. All right. So uh, 2023. Okay. Oh, we got plenty of time. Plenty of time, buddy. Second week of March. You heard it here, people. There we go. <laughs> well, without any further ado, I think it's time that we get into Andy McCormick. I think we gave you all the tips you need to know, but uh, Andy has been in our networking circle for mm-hmm. years now and he's been a member of the omaha ria and and other local groups around here he's a, he's a face that we all see and uh we knew it was time to get, bring him in so guys want to be like him girls want to be with him andy mccormick welcome to the show andy welcome to the ria podcast thank studio you. thank you I'm was glad it to be here everything you envisioned this is it man this is it when this you is thought the spot when you're listening to us you know because obviously it's your favorite podcast in the world absolutely and and you're like you're like you're like 24th in vinton omaha nebraska where is this place you know the funny thing is i have a car wash right down the street and i drive by this daily and didn't realize this is where all the magic happens and were you like why is there one gem right here in the middle of all these <laughs> exactly <laughs> we need a real radio uh, neon out front i think that ooh, would be ooh, that would be, be pretty nice. sexy right yeah. yeah now we've arrived i did get told that our new windows for this office finally arrived uh, wow it was that two year lead time <laughs> yeah so like that yeah it's nice so they'll probably get put in next week that would be so nice was that from joe's windows or 
<laughs> what was the holdup with that? Production, man. Oh, man. I think it, you need to shop more. And uh, and and then you won't be able to hear the the super loud cars on the occasional. I actually have never heard a car until we listened to Sarah Weaver's episode one, and I heard like two cars buzzing by, and I was like, "That's a first. Do the new windows block out squirrel sightings as well, <laughs> so that we can <laughs> reduce your distractions? Maybe we'll just tint the windows. Well, as you say, good thing for you guys, you're facing the wall. I'm facing the window, so if I just like you know. Go out in space, just zone me back here. Well, we've we've discovered that people don't like staring at Ted the whole time, so they want to you know give him a little yeah, little uh, background there. Sorry, sorry, buddy. We put the natural sure. glow behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you and uh, and how you got in investing. Who put that thought in your head of investing? I mean, some people say that they they saw somebody do it or somebody put the purple Bible in their hand. What, what was that trigger moment for you? Sure. So I guess a little bit of my background. I'm 36 years old, uh, born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Was uh, Went to Westside where I uh, did everything. Or I enjoyed everything except for doing book work. You know, um, I, I went to Westside. Did you? And my, and my uh, wife is actually a teacher at Westside Middle School. Oh, that's nice. So if you need some ends when, when your kids start getting in that. No kids yet. Oh, okay. No so kids yet. We're, that's uh, not what I heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, fun fact. News, news to me. This is why we're here, right? <laughs> this is like a Ricky Lake uh, episode where they surprise people. Uh, and here's your baby daddy. <laughs> you didn't know you're getting surprised. <laughs> Great news. Good thing we got some whiskey in front of us. <laughs> Why'd you go, baby daddy? I I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my head. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, it just reflects his old life every time. I do not. <laughs> Uh, wow. Okay. We came in hot there. Um, so you were saying West side, went to West side, uh, middle-class family, both my mother and father worked the corporate ladder, got flicked off at the top. That kind of comes into some of my why, um, they were divorced when I was in second grade. And so I found myself moving around town a lot as you do. Um, I believe I counted the other day. We lived in nine different houses between the time I was born through the end of high school. Oh, wow. And so it wasn't because we were doing this to make money, but, uh, uh, you know, we just moved and into a different school or whatever it might've been. And so I think that's where the seed of real estate was, you know, planted, if you will. Um, after high school, I went to Wyotech, which is in Laramie, Wyoming, where I learned uh, collision refinishing and, uh, got into the body shop world after being there and graduating after about a year, uh, came back. Got into the workforce, joined a body shop, and um, about three years into the body shop, I noticed a guy coming in, uh, coming in to do uh, paintless dent repair. And he would show up at ten a.m. He would leave by three o'clock in his Range Rover and had spent half the time on his phone. And so I thought to myself, like, what the heck is that guy doing? I got to start doing that. And so in two thousand eight, I bought my first house. And that was right, of course, when the uh, recession was happening, but they also had a stimulus package. Um, there was the $7,500 first-time home buyer. They pay you this money, and then you have to pay it back $500 for the next 15 years around tax season. And so I had taken that that money and, and sent myself to uh, Paintless Dent Repair School. And then from there, I spent uh, nights and weekends uh, learning how to fix dents, basically doing beer money for my buddies fixing their dents so we could uh, go out on the lake or whatever it be. Does that still does that deal still apply? I just want to know. What's that? The, the fixing, <laughs> fixing dents or beers? Oh, either. well, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> especially especially after this whiskey drink. Just ask me anything you want. <laughs> um, and so moving forward, uh, I spent about another three, three or so years in the body shop doing that on the side hustle. 
and then uh, realized that uh, I needed to go out on my own. And uh, I remember telling my mother, and she was again uh, the corporate ladder. You know, don't quit your job. You can't do that. You're gonna. You need. You have a house to pay for. You, you know, this, you need the stability and the health insurance. And I said, I got to take the risk. You know, so we. I started then, and still own and operate today uh, a company called Paintless Pros. And uh, that's and for people people that don't know, uh, Paintless Dent Repair is fixing hail damage. Uh, vehicles or door dings or small collision without using body body filler or paint. And so I still run that today and uh, would do that. And I, I went out on my own and I started uh, chasing storms. And I would go across the country fixing hail damage and kind of living out of a suitcase, which is all fun and uh, great while you're young, but uh, gets old pretty quick. And so I think my first year out, I think I did in our season, because of course it's very seasonal being usually between, you know, May to October when hail hits this country. And I think my first season I made, I don't know, like seventy five, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. And that was way better than I was doing at the body shop. And I worked half the year. Yeah, that's a good gig. So I was all, I was all happy and but then I'd come home and sit on the couch all winter long and watch Jerry Springer and eat bonbons and stuff like that. <laughs> well, so you were totally prepared for like some crazy surprise to happen when you walked in here. You're like, because you watched your Springer fan, you thought, yeah, yeah, we're exactly. Gonna, we're gonna exactly. Spring something on here. I'm just waiting for the end. <laughs> um, so would sit around on the winter time and uh, wonder. You know, when's the next storm going to happen? And it, it kind of goes with like, well, my money's going to run out. I made a lot of money, but you know, if you're not doing anything in the wintertime, you get a little, you know, worried about the money running out or, or what you're going to do. So fast forward to about 2016, I don't know where I got the idea, but I decided I was going to flip a house. And uh, I talked to my brother and I said, let's, let's flip a house. And so I said, well, where do you buy cheap houses at? Well, you buy cheap houses at the uh, auction, at the courthouse, foreclosure auction. Well, I didn't know anything about that. And so I decided I was going to go down to the auction to kind of see what's going on, start learning, start watching. And uh, I'm sure you guys have been there and, and, you know, there's four or five old timers that have been doing it for many, many years. And they see a newbie come in, they want to bid him up and drop Blood it Blood is in the water. Exactly. You know, get, get him out of here. But I said, I wasn't going anywhere. So I sat there and, and uh, watched and watched and watched. And, and then about uh, the third week, I called my brother. I said, you know, here's the list of the houses. I'm going to go after this one, go after this one. Of course, didn't win bids because you have to set a number and then don't go over that number because, you know, you get the, you know, I, I want it more than you. The or, adrenaline yeah, comes exactly. You don't want to lose. You, it's I'm not going to lose it over $1,000 or whatever it might be. How many people go to these? So you went to the Douglas County one, is that right? Or That's correct. And this is so Douglas County is basically most of Metro Omaha, excluding the suburbs. So Omaha and uh, there's Douglas County and Sarpy County are kind of the two main ones. Uh, so you went to Douglas County and was it a lot of people? So I would say there's probably 10 people. Oh, that's it. And you would see the same faces every time. Yep. You know, and. So you did a little scouting. You went there and said, I want to get the lay of the land. Yeah, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And the first time I won a house, I remembered, and we won a house. It was uh, in uh, Pepperwood, about 150. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good area. Really good area. And I I won that house for $144,000, basically all the money that I had saved up. And I remember very vividly the the auctioneer, the attorney coming over with the paperwork. And they, they expect you to pay for that cash right then and there. And I remember uh, my. Now, is, I'm sorry, oh, real quick. Is that, do you have to have all of it 
at on the spot. Like they're like, okay, bidding's over. Congratulations. Where's your money? So they tell you, and of course things have changed probably since then, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I haven't been for years, but uh, they expect you to have the money right then and there. So a lot of people take uh, cashier checks at $50,000 increments or whatever it might be, or kind of know what they're going to spend. Uh, I think at that particular time I talked to the attorney and I said, he goes, as long as I have a wire in my account by the end of the day, we're in good shape. So that's what I, that's what I ended up doing. And th- so this was your hard earned hail repair, uh, money that cash. It wasn't like you didn't have a line of credit, anything like that. Correct. Or, well, okay. Correct. I had, uh, saved up some money and, you know, again, when you don't know when the next storm is coming or when the next dollar is coming in, and that's still true to this day. It hasn't hailed in Omaha for three years and I got butterflies flying out of my pockets, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so yes, so you, you, you have to have, uh, that was all the money I had saved up. I was ready to go. Uh, the guy come over and handed me the piece of paper to sign says this house is yours. And I remember not even being able to sign the paper because I was shaking so bad. Like I, I just couldn't do it. So we ended up going to the house right afterwards, and I see the house, and like I said, I didn't know anything did, I was did, doing. Okay, hang on. I'm sure. gonna I want to rewind a little bit here. So, what kind of prep work did you do before uh, this? Uh, zero. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you so, know, how, did, how did you even know how much that you were gonna cut off the bidding at? Oh well, okay. I, I thought oh, you meant, yeah. I thought you meant like title work. Oh and no, 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 all that yeah. other kind like of stuff. What, like what that. mentally and kind of what are the, what was the process you went through to prepare for this? Because I want to say. It's pretty freaking ballsy to buy your very first investment property at an auction and never have the opportunity to get inside. Is that is that a fact? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and uh, failing forward, I'll tell you all okay. about one of those. But right. uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't re- don't recall how I got to the point of well, this is what my number is. You know, of course, you you know, buying houses and kind of being around the industry. I suppose uh, you kind of know. I, I framed houses in, in uh, high school with my mom's boyfriend now stepfather and kind of learned some of that stuff and kind of just assumed and i don't remember if it was all bigger pockets or you know listening to this podcast but something just told me x square feet is you know this this dollar amount per square foot or whatever the renovation costs i don't really recall how i did that (laughs) but i do recall uh going back to the house right after i got it after i got the the paperwork signed and got the wire over there and i showed up to the house i'm like what am i gonna gonna do and so i (laughs) were there people there so the the door was locked and so then i was like well i don't i I guess i'll just call the cops and the cops show up they go what do you want me to do and they said we can't go in there i said well what if i kick the door down will you go in there and so they kicked the door down and they went inside and cleared the place and they're like it's all yours and so I go inside, and I was like, "This is like Twilight Zone." Were you like, Sergeant Johnson? Wait, can you uh, also change the locks? <laughs> you're like, I don't have a contractor. I don't know what to do. So I had, uh, and now I got to board up the door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did. I actually worried about that when I first kicked it in, and it was a nice house. Did you feel but, kind of like a badass though? There, you have cops surrounding you, and you're like getting to kick in the front door. That would be cool. I think I was still shaking from signing that paperwork <laughs> or all that money away. The adrenaline hadn't yeah. worn off yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we go inside, and of course, the the families. It was a husband and wife that owned a, a winery, and and I think they had put all their money into the winery and hadn't paid their bills. And anyway, I, I ended up leaving a note saying, "Hey, this is my house. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Be here." 
And so then I decided to go back the next day. Was all their stuff still there? All the stuff there. Was and there a lot of wine? I mean, you could have taken there some There was of that. actually a bunch of boxes of wine, and he had all kinds of letters. And I feel really bad. I mean, I don't want anybody to right. lose yeah. their stuff. But uh, he had all kinds of letters all over the, the desk that basically stated we're, we're coming for the house or foreclosure or whatever the heck. So uh, I left a note, and uh, and then I, I decided to come back the next day, and I told him I'd, I'd be there. And he was there. And then I was a little reluctant to go inside because I don't know who this guy is. I mean, mm-hmm. he could be like, you know, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I ended up taking a, a buddy with me and we went inside and I, you know, sat down with him. I said, you know, I'm sorry you fell on hard times and, but this is my house and get out basically. And so I said, you know, leave behind whatever you want to do whatever you got to do, but we're coming in within like a week. Okay. So you gave him a week. <clears throat> I don't remember the exact timeline, but I know my brother, um, Who's like six seven, like two hundred fifty pounds? Was he who you brought with you? No, he didn't go with me there. But he was, I think, so eager to get started. He in the backyard was completely overgrown, and so we got a chainsaw and he's back there knocking things down and like just turning up the radio. I'm like, dude, can you be a little bit more respectful here? <laughs> but so you're, you're like, uh, yeah, this is my uh, brother Johnny. He's going to be eating dinner here also with exactly, you. So exactly. after he finishes cutting these trees. Hundred <laughs> percent. So you no official thirty day notice. You're just like sat down and like again. I had no idea what I'm doing, and he was and he was he was nice enough to know that he needed to to get out, mm-hmm. and uh, we helped him move some things. We actually broke like a stone with his last name on it when he asked us to carry it from the backyard to the the truck, and we yeah. dropped. I mean, it was heavy, and we broke it, and he wasn't very happy, but. Uh, we ended up flipping that house. We spent about two and a half uh, months somewhere in there, and we uh, we sold it ourselves, which I wouldn't suggest doing today. Uh, but we knew better than everybody else, right. and we're going to sell this. Yeah. And we sold it, uh, you know, within I think first fifteen days, and this was back in seventeen. I think it had probably been done seventeen, and uh, sold it for two fifteen. And we cleared about $35,000. Nice. And I looked at him. I'm like, let's roll. <laughs> now, did you have a partnership with your brother then on that? Uh, well, he's going to hate me for this. But, uh, you know, he actually put all the construction costs up and I paid for the house. He works W-2. So I was there more so working on it. And, uh, you know, we didn't ever have like a total agreement. We just knew that we need to we need to do this, make the money and we'll split it. So, and that's how, how it worked out. Okay. Uh, and we hadn't done a deal. We didn't really feel eye to eye on the fact that, you know, the work, work ratio was a little, little lopsided. Yes. So we actually did another deal a, a year, a couple of years later and it was a flop too. And so I still want to do more work with him because it's, you know, your brother, but, uh, yeah, the, the kiss of death. I don't know. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's it's always hard to work a family too. Yeah, you know, I I I enjoy working with John a lot. The uh, the second house that we did, it was just timing. I think mm-hmm. we had got it done in the winter time and whatever else. But I'm bad, getting bad time. Hard, bad time of year to list a house for sure. How okay? I have two questions. The first one is: How nervous were you walking up to that house? When you had to meet the guy the next day after you're like, be here tomorrow, you leave that badass note. Cause you're, you know, right. you're a tough guy when you're writing things down and I, were, were you scared? I mean, were you nervous? I was bit? definitely nervous. Yeah. Cause I looked at, I, he come out Well, we pulled in the driveway and he kind of gave us the, the come on in finger. And I look, uh, I looked at my buddy. I think it took Heath with me. He was a buddy that ended up painting the place. And, uh, I was like, I'm not going in there. There's no way I'm going to go in there. That guy's going to kill us for sure. <laughs> 
And side note, I did a, my second one that I had got. Uh, I felt so terribly bad. We ended up showing up the same same scenario, paid for it, went to the house, and I could see in the front window, and the guy sitting on his couch bawling his eyes out. Oh. And I'm like, no. Mm. Go to the door. Well, his wife didn't tell him that she hadn't been paying the bills oh, for all no. these months and that he needed to leave. And you could go downstairs and he had this man cave and it was all beautiful and, you know, jerseys and everything on the ceiling. And he was just, you know, beside himself. And I'm like, oh, man. So we ended up giving them some cash to try to find an apartment and try to get him back on his feet. But I'm like, I don't know if that's your ride or die there, there, man. Man, that that is tough. And I tell you what, like th- these types of situations, though, I mean, and being in the if you're in the motivated seller, you know, buying and selling business, uh, or you buy from auctions, you're dealing with foreclosure situations. You see, I mean, you see some really tough, uh, situations, you know, humanity is, uh, is ever present when you're dealing in those. And it's, it's tough. I've done some real estate sales where I've helped people out that were just in the positions they had to get rid of it or short sales. And yeah, it's really emotional. I actually lived through a, a similar situation where we had a roommate and he traveled all the time didn't set up the accounts and he was always traveling around the world and had plenty of money, but uh, he didn't pay his bill for like 12 months. And when we got noticed, he's like, Oh no, my bills get paid. There's no, and he thought I did. He literally just remodeled the whole entire basement through like 30 grand in the basement uh, in this West Omaha house that four of us guys were living in and uh, got the whole thing renovated. I lived in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) It was like in my late twenties. And uh, and then all of a sudden the sheriff shows up like, you guys got 48 hours to be out. The house is sold. And I'm like, I call my buddy. I'm like, hey, dude. I go, we're out, and he's and he's traveling. And he's like, he's like, oh man. He goes, I got the cash. I can pay, I can just pay off the house. Just tell the sheriff I'll, I'll drop off the money when I get back. And and it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. Oh no. And uh, yeah. So whoops. We, so we got foreclosed. We 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 had we had 48 hours to get out. I just started dating Jessica, <laughs> my <laughs> wife. And uh, yeah. So uh, but we had to go through that. And I remember it was just like it was a mad scramble to get get. I can't imagine. And we and there was so much stuff left over. And man, they got steal in that house. That house is in great shape. So it, you, so you were just dating Jessica then? Yeah. Were you like uh, like, like our first like six months? Hey, uh, I'd love to take you out on a third date. And also, do you have a room on your couch? <laughs> just no, no, you know, no coincidence here at all. No personal interest. <laughs> well, the funny part is I, I owned a house already, but I was, you know, cause I was running into my grandmother, but I, but I was running for my buddies, but it was a lot better living with the guys for sure. Yeah. Frat house basically. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is exciting. So your first deal, there's a lot of drama, and you're like, I want more? Or yeah. what, what were you like, maybe I'll just look on the MLS this Well, time. honestly, I... You know, I, and still to this day, because I'm still, <laughs> because I'm still going back and forth between, uh, you know, the body shop, the PDR business, and and real estate, and and one can be uh, more heavy during throughout the year, or you know, whatever it might be. Well, I start working on cars, and I'm like, ah, oh, can't we just work on some houses? And then I work on houses, and I'm like, I can't work to work on some cars. You know, back and forth. Uh, so you like the variety? I did right. like the variety. Uh, today, I don't work on much of my stuff at all but uh back then i mean i was whistling and super excited to go build stuff and you know kind of was you know like back in high school framing houses and just working you know yeah. with your hands and so uh that was that was always a it was a good time to, to do it when we did so so paintless dent repair do you think you'll do that always hmm. <laughs> ask me today and ask me tomorrow there'll probably be two different answers well because okay so i have a i have a buddy of mine that owns a roofing business and he did that i mean he's still in it and he's like, when there's hailstorms, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just raining money from right. the skies. Right. 
And and so I'm wondering, is that the same thing? Like yeah, you're like, I, it's it's too good to turn down. And you know how to do it. You right. have kind of a mousetrap built. You know, that's true. And, and I always kind of thought, even with real estate or however this economy that we're going into or where we've been or whatever that looks like, that I will always have a skill that – I like last night, Minneapolis got, or St. Paul, excuse me, got smoked with hail. And if I, you know, starting to hurt or you're you're losing grip on maybe a house or whatever, whatever the economy looks like, I think I could go, you know, run and make some money somewhere. Hey, so, okay. On the, in that business, how did you get the, so you're like, you worked for one and then you decided to hang your own shingle and do that on your own. Right. That's kind of how that, the origin story here. Right. With the paintless dent repair. So I'd never worked for somebody as far as the paintless dis paintless dent repair business went. I worked for a body shop doing, you know, normal oh, okay, collision okay. stuff and was doing that on the side. So what gave you the idea to start, you know, chasing storms? Were you, did you like Google? Like, what do, how do I grow this business? Well, talking to the guys that uh, would come into the body shop and they were, you know, like a 1099, they would come in there. Like I said, he was, you know, pulled up in his Porsche and bring out his tools and was working all day long. And you just start talking with them and then kind of realize, you know, I learned about paintless dent repair back at WyoTech and uh, the instructor told me that it was junk and it didn't work and yada, yada, yada. Well, it's primarily because he didn't know how to fix them. It definitely takes them uh, a different, uh, eye or attention versus, you know, banging metal. It's very tedious and slow to, you know, methodically work the metal back out. Do you use plungers? Uh, no. Oh, okay. how about, how about dry ice? I get that one a lot too. Everybody, Shows you how much I know about Everybody cars. just says, you know, it'll just pop out. It'll just pop out. I'm like, huh? But you know, actually the, one of the hardest parts about my business is educating the consumer on like what paintless dent repair is and who they should, when they should come to me. Uh, you know, you get people like, you know, we do quarter size softball dents whatever depending on where they're at in the in the vehicle and stuff and people will go oh it's just a small dent and they, they'll send me a picture of it and it's a side swiped i'm like what the hell are you want me to do with that like, <laughs> I, just, I just bought a car last month and i went and had some pdr done on it did you and uh i wouldn't known that you're in it when i came to you but i think i i think i paid like 350 or 400 bucks to get like four very very small dents out yeah it can be it can be lucrative and once you uh once you get the skill uh, like I said, it's very tedious and, but you know what, that was one of my favorite things to do was when I would work on hail damaged cars, I'd put on my headphones and bigger pockets, Cardone. I mean, everybody just all day, every day. And I loved it cause I could just zone out, make money and get all the knowledge stuck right in here. Now. Okay. I, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. How did you, um, did, did you have any friends or like people that you surrounded yourself with at the time that, uh, were into the same things? Like not, not the PDR work, but real estate investing or just like growing a business, you know, kind of personal growth or was that your thing? And, and you just kind of found that on your own. How did that, you know, a good buddy in Colorado, uh, I think Pat D'Souza, he was the one who told me about bigger pockets and he was just kind of getting started, getting a little traction, uh, investing, uh, in Colorado, Denver. And then he was buying stuff here in Omaha. And, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of people that were, they were doing it that I know of. And I, I'll think of somebody later and be mad about it, but no, I couldn't, I can't think of anybody that was actually doing it at that point in time. Gotcha. So you mentioned Porsches earlier. Uh, let's maybe segue into the fact that I don't see a Lambo parked out front of the studio right now. And maybe that's because of the neighborhood we're in, but <laughs> you own what for cars right now? Uh, I have a 2007 Lamborghini Murcielago and then two, uh, F three fifty super duties or one F three fifty super duties and then one F one fifty and then I just bought a limo the other day. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I have a thing for black cars. 
Okay. And this, Wait, let's let's explore this for a minute. Like I want to peek behind the curtain. We should here. take it out for sure. Uh, okay. We, you know, and I shouldn't say this, but I was in my tenant's driveway for like two <laughs> years. And I've always like I, I anything with a, a motor or wheels or anything I'm just like super excited about. Mm-hmm. And so and the neighbor had called and complained about this thing. I'm like, you know, get lost. But uh one day he he'd screwed something up in the plumbing and it cost me all kinds of money. But I always walk away, like, you wanna sell that thing? He goes, Yeah, I'd sell it. And I said, Okay, well, what do you want for it? He's like, ah, forty five hundred bucks. I'm like, oh, you know, I mean it's it's vintage. It's a cream puff, if what, you what will. Is like, it? What, what is it? It's a two thousand seven uh Lincoln Town Car, mm. 28 feet. Uh, and actually, the interior is really nice. And I use that in quotations, but the exterior is pretty rough. Okay. But, but we know a guy. Yeah, I ain't putting any money. <laughs> I probably put too much money into that thing. <laughs> but the interior like has a new interior. has all this laser light show. It's got subwoofers. Like, it is a blast. We, I, I had to I put new tires on it, new battery, you know, tried to get it up and running. And then we took it out uh, on St. Patty's Day and hit the town. It was just, you know, just kind of fun. You know, I figured if we're all going out to a concert and, you know, you bring the wives or whatever that looks like and we're all going to pay for Ubers, well, why not just pay a driver the same amount of money, have a pick us up and – We'll go to the concert and drink the whole time. So I used to own a limo company. Did you? Yeah. So I used to have three Greyhound buses. Oh, wow. And we... Uh, uh, what? We, yeah. You know that? No, I didn't know you had three buses. Yeah. So we had Greyhound buses and we, we one of them we took and completely gutted out. We put all the leather seating in. We put sure. keg taps in there. And then we would load people up and then we would take people to Kansas City. We did this thing called a uh, Kansas City party bus. And most times, most uh, so it was mainly bachelorette parties is what we did. But we did like a package fee, so you could, you know, how many depending on how many people would stay in one room, was the fee of it. But we walk, I mean, we'd make seven eight thousand dollars on a twenty four hour trip. Wow! And it, I mean, it was really, it was fun and it was lucrative. And I why'd mean, you get out? I had a really bad business partner, kind of story of my life. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I had a business partner that was, I just was really struggled with uh, businesses in the beginning because I was I was more the workhorse and not the money guy. Sure. So um, I just kind of, but this, this out of all everything, this was my worst uh, situation. He was a drunk and mm. honestly, he, uh, we had, uh, he, his job was running the financials. I ran the business, put fake DOT stickers on it. Oh, he also uh, bought some junk cars and then insured them and put those insurances Ooh. in, in it, in, in there and, and put those plates on the vehicles. Yeah, that's not good. And, and uh, I found out, this is off topic here, but I found out, on a uh, Halloween night where we had a whole entire – we had 40 airmen on there. And I ran into him. He was drunk. And he's like, I take all the risk. Well, long story short, we uh, – as soon as I found out that we were not legal, I ran right in there, pulled the registration. I'm looking at everything. And we were when we started. And I'm like, yeah. So he was stealing the money from the company and pocketing pretty much everything. Wow. So I took I, – I, like, I told all those guys, I like, go, oh, your trip is completely free. And uh, I had my driver. I'm like, we're dropping them off. Go follow every rule and limit. I went back, dropped my keys off, and I said, you can pay me out when you sell sell, sell everything else. And I went through and canceled all the everything and turned it all over to VIP limo. Wow. Dang. Wow. But I, think, different... I think you need to restart that business I with agree. a better partner. I, VIP it... has a really nice uh, 300 down there. I wanted to swap my piece of crap out of it for that one. but <laughs> Hey, just put new DOT stickers there on it. There you go. <laughs> So that had been awesome though when we went down to see uh, Owen and Lincoln because he presented uh, last we week. We should do that we, for sure. We, we could have we, we should have hit you up and all pop down there in the limo. The problem with owning a limo is you know everybody's like, hey, let me borrow that, which is fine. Can you uh, 
drive us somewhere? And I'm like, no, the reason I bought a limo is so, so you don't so, have to drive. So somebody drive. would drive my yeah. ass around, not me drive you around. Exactly. So real quick, I have a, I have a good uh, friend of mine. Uh, his name's Paul, and he was actually one of my very first like multifamily mentors. And the very first multifamily property I bought was from him. I don't think he listens to these, but uh, like, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. No, no, I, he's great. We still, we talk all the time still, just mostly text, but whatever. And he, uh, he had this house um, where he had poker parties every week. There'd be like 40 dudes that would show up. Sometimes women showed up too, but we would play uh, tournaments, right? And, and cash games afterwards. And it was super fun. And he wasn't he wasn't married at the time, but he had a uh, he had a limo and a uh, limo bus, and uh, he had a driver named Tony that he would just pay you know a hundred bucks and be like drive us around, and he'd just go in that Tony would and, and would sit at the end of the bar drinking soda water or whatever, and uh, like drive everybody around. But the very first trip I ever took was to Kansas City, like you were talking about on this on this uh, limo. And it breaks down in like Mound City or mm. uh, might have been St. Joe. I don't think it was St. Joe. I think it was Mound City because there was like nothing around. And the, like the I don't remember what the deal was. It was like we were so we were sitting there at this gas station for like two hours and we we're going to play in a poker tournament at the Ameristar down there. Anyway, finally got it fixed and whatever. But uh, yeah, he had that. He talked about the same things like, you know, you would have this awesome thing and then like you didn't have anybody drive around. They're like, oh, can I borrow your bus? Can I borrow your limo or whatever? It just got to be annoying. And I've also found that it's just like owning a boat, which yeah. I did for me. You know, everybody comes and just thrashes it and they're like, see you later. Yeah. It's like, oh, one more thing for me to clean. And yeah. Yeah, so my dad always had a plaque on his boat and it said, this boat runs on gas, not thanks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking bust out another thousand. That's when, the boat acronym. My These buses I had, I don't even remember how much, but they, they literally held uh, 120 gallons of gas or more. Oh. Right. So we had all three buses. We had three weddings the next day, had them all loaded with gas. Somebody came and siphoned no. all the accounts. It's like an 08. And there's no gas gauges on those. I don't know if you know that. And, I do not. And so, uh, at least on the older models. So, none of them have gas gauges. All three, all three of the drivers take off. And they all get, <clears throat> I don't even know, may, maybe 10 minutes out. And all the buses break down. And, I don't, if they're, and they're, they're big old Detroit diesels. And those, you just can't put gas in them and start. They have to be, you have to take the filters off. They have yeah. to go to a shop to get, re, get running again. So, like, we had three weddings that we had to cancel. I mean, can you imagine? No. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Oh, yeah. You can't just get them going. Yeah. And then gas was at that time was like $4 for diesel. It was like when it was at its peak. Seems like now. Like now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. For those of you still interested in real estate investing. <laughs> um, so, Andy, you bought your first property at a foreclosure auction. You had some drama with the uh, previous owner and current occupant. What was next for you? How did you get going, keep going in that? What did, You and your brother were kind of pumped after you sold the first one, made 35K? We did. Uh, I think it was 2017 then, and I bought a house from a guy who used to work at the body shop and was going to turn it into a rental, started working on that, and then a hailstorm hit. 2017 was a big <laughs> hailstorm. Pause. 100%. <laughs> I remember being on the roof, like, you know, up there just, you know, pounding nails and putting a new uh, flu in and just you know, super that storm, excited. That storm was crazy. Oh, it just destroyed things. And I, I remember because I wish for hail every time it hails, you know, or every time it storms. And, um, you know, watching Rusty Lord on the news 
And he's like, oh, yeah, there's this much hail. And I'm like, you, you want it? You want it? Okay, no, 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 less, less, less hail. Because if, if it gets too big, then it turns into a body shop thing. You can't do paintless dairy mm-hmm. repair. So we just need, like, the perfect hail to work on these cars. <laughs> and, again, I'm getting into the weeds here, so let's go back to real estate. No, but- no. Actually, I, I – so I have the exact opposite reaction whenever I'm watching the news and there's a real big, you know, storm event coming. Right. Because I'm, like, anxiety-ridden, like – Oh my God, please don't go through, you know, cause I'll have like several flips that are about ready or sure. ready to be listed, or maybe they are listed for sure. sale. And I'm like, I do not have time and I don't want to deal with insurance claims and all that. And like, I, so I'm like laced with anxiety whenever I see that. And you're like on the opposite end of the well, spectrum. I'm, I'm like, both please now. come downtown. Like, I'm, both, these. I'm both now because, you know, I have yeah. it, a lot of, uh, I have about 10 rentals in the Benson area. And, oh, you know, they just get of, pounded there. A lot of, lot of uh, bigger trees. I have this one house that I told I said I told uh, my buddy I was going to sell it as soon as it came open. I just re-rented it. But anyway, it has this tree that's you know three feet around, and I just look up and I'm like, man, if that thing comes down, widow maker. Oh, it's bad. And I know it's like ten thousand dollars would probably bring this thing yeah. down. So I should have sold it. <laughs> that's so funny. So you're like. <laughs> You don't know whether to root for it or root against it, right? Well, I figure if it's big enough, I can make enough money to get the tree out of the way. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's a hedge. There yes, you go. Yeah. It's a hedge yeah. Hedge on, it's on kind of, the storm. It's kind of like fires. Like You really don't want it, and you hope everybody's fine, but really they pay out really good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fires, just got my check for the, the fire damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think we're going to do fine. On it, Good. so uh, see, see his grit on his face when you so, that. Well, okay, here, all right. Anybody not familiar with like how to like what to do during a fire damage situation? I clearly was not. So you you typically will open a claim right with your insurance provider, and uh, they're going to uh, assign a claims adjuster typically to your uh, case. And then they're going to like relentlessly pester you at times that it's impossible to answer the phone. I found that like seven at night, seven thirty at night or whatever your phone. You're like, I'm not answering that. It's like a Houston number, right? So there's all these like rando numbers from all over the country. They assign a third party claims adjuster and then whoever's assigned to that. And they may even shift. So you may, you're dealing with multiple people. Super frustrating. So I just, we just did a claim on a uh, fire damage and it wasn't a big deal, but uh, I had um local company. Actually, they might be, is Paul Davis national? So national. Yep. Yeah. So we had them and I feel a little bit bad about this, but they came out and did a uh, like scope of work and put a whole bid together on the remediation. And, it, you know, like they're typically going to be more than your typical contractor that you're going to hire you work with regularly. Right. But they do everything. They do everything. Yeah. yeah. They're going to get it back. Better than new, and, yeah, more and than a nice one. job, yeah. And and so what they typically will do is, depending on your policy and your carrier, I'm not an insurance dude or a tax person or attorney or what other disclaimers do I have to throw out there? <laughs> uh, so they will. No, uh, here's how it went for me. So they, uh, I had Paul Davis's bid. I submitted it to State Farm and I said, "Hey, here's my bid from the contractor." Then State Farm's claims adjuster came out and they met me at the property and did a walkthrough and they did their own notes and they reviewed the Paul Davis bid, which was very thorough. And uh, they said, all right, we're going to issue you a check for the actual cash value, the ACV of your policy. And basically it ended up being a total, let's round it here, a, tw- a total of $20,000 for the claim. And they issued an ACV check for 15 k right? So I got $15,000 check. And they will distribute the rest of it, which they call uh, held back depreciation. So they basically say, okay, this stuff is old in this house and it's not worth what it would be if it was brand new. So we're going to depreciate the value of it. And 
this money we will release as soon as you sign a contract with the contractor that's going to do the work on the property. So they need to see a bid and all that. And then you give them the bid and then they release the check, right? So that's where we're at right now uh, in the process. But and I actually had my kids over there doing demo a little bit. It was kind of funny, my daughters. But uh, you just, yeah, anyway. You just used them for, for Instagram for, likes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so that that's uh, um, what – yeah, that that's a pretty recent deal for me. So uh, fire claim, I've never been through it before. So hopefully somebody got something out of that. All right, Andy. So <laughs> – <laughs> Why don't we talk about what your portfolio looks like today? Okay. Uh, currently, I own just 18 single-family residents and two car washes. Car washes? If you consider that real estate. I mean, it's kind of a business slash real estate, if you will. But, yeah, two car wash. T- self-serve. We're not the uh, big tunnel guys that you see going up all over the city, but uh, just the old kind of the old school spray down. Uh, car washes, which is where you'll catch me as a car guy, not in those tunnels that scratch your car. So come see us. Well, you actually ran my brother at one of your car washes. I did. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, did he, did, did you guys know each other through the real estate side? You know, we did. I don't know. Well, of course he's a car guy. I'm a car guy. He yeah. had his BMW inside the, uh, the, the wash there. And I love German cars and got to, to BSing with him a little bit. And then, uh, I don't know how the heck we got into real estate, but he's like, do you know, Ted? Maria? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's my brother. I'm like, oh, cool, man. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit more, gave me his card. So he's uh, into flooring right now. So yeah. that's great. Hopefully we can come up with some projects for him. But he's got, it's always kind of fun to go to the shop because my buddies that have, uh, I'm, a, I'm a car guy. And, and, and so the buddies that have cars, they all take them over there. I'm like, I'm like, oh, is this Chad's car? Is this Kelly's car? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so his, his garage has always got a handful of fun ones in there. Sure, sure. All right. So 18 single family rentals. Correct. Did you, uh, all right, and you flipped a few along the way. So correct? I tried to do about four to five flips uh, a year since starting. Let's just say seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't always my my goal was always to get uh, ten rentals every year. And guess how long I've been in it and how many rentals I have It has not worked. Twenty sixteen, you said, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, and we, but we we flipped properties. In the meantime, uh, I had my good buddy Aaron Weiscarver uh, become like quit his uh, WT. And nice. come work with me and basically was in charge of doing all the project manager and he would do all the reno- uh, renovations and do all the repairs on, on rentals. Um, recently in, in the fall, Aaron had a terrible stroke. Oh no. Uh. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, knocked him on his butt, if you will. Uh, but he's back and uh, kind of regaining all of he's got going on. And, you know, of course changes, changes life and your perspective a little bit. So, and of course with the market, the way it is, you know, it's kind of been good that he's been able to take some time. I can't make the numbers work on anything. He's got the family going. So uh, we, we hope to get into some projects again here soon, but really in 2022, I haven't bought anything. Okay. So he was uh, now, what kind of arrangement did you have with him as a contractor? Was he just basically like doing a job for money or was, did you have him on, some type of a split agreement. No, we were a ten. He was just basically a ten ninety nine uh, guy. You know, when when he was a, always a heat and air guy from uh, from high school on up, and uh, was really good at that. And and I mean, he I mean, he knows the stuff. Like he he he's like, oh, Andy, I don't I don't know if I can do this. Like I don't know how to tile. I don't know how to do this. I said, man, either die. You just figure it out. And you're because you're so. You know, six feet construction. <laughs> yeah, no, he's actually really good. He has, uh, he's got an eye, and sometimes when I want to cut corners, he'll go, "No, dude, you're we're doing do it, it right. We're doing it this way, and we're going to do it right." So yeah, he's, uh, he's been a big, uh, big help, and and uh, love working with him. You know, next to your buddy all the time. So, 
All right, let's maybe spin through the the eighteen unit portfolio you have with single family. So you you bought your first one at auction, uh, had some excitement. What how did what was your source for finding deals along the way? And I know, I know you've mentioned you flipped a few and you've held a few. How did you find most of them, or did you have a common theme, or was it all over so the place? So finding the deals, you know, I would get um, you know a, a buddy saying here, or my aunt or uncle, or who you know a person I used to work with would, hey, I got a house, I'm moving, and I would get some of those. I, a lot of them came from the MLS, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, was able to go out and find it, and make the numbers work. I remember getting in it back in seventeen, and uh, all the all the guys were saying, you know, how how the heck are you making these numbers work? And I'm like, I don't know. It just seems the this seems to be cash flowing. And now I'm that guy. In 2022, I'm like, how are you guys making these numbers work? <laughs> but uh, how were you analyzing the properties? Were you did you have an agent that was investor friendly that was able to help you out, or did you have a mentor that was kind of helping you with those numbers? Man, I wish I had the answer for that. I don't remember exactly how. I think I just did one mm-hmm. and was like, I know that this is you know based on square footage or whatever. However that looks, I was like, this I know my numbers and just kind of shot it from the hip. If you, you, will. you self-manage all your properties. Currently, and, yes. And then how, how are you analyzing the, what the potential rents could be? Zillow. Zillow. Look yeah. at Zillow, kind of look at the comps, see what they're going for. I have uh, a good buddy, uh, Sean Peterson, mm-hmm. and he's actually my business partner on one of the car washes. And uh, he, he's, he's an agent, right? He's an agent yeah. with uh, Justin Pogge. Yep. And I've yeah, I, I call I've, it. I've worked with those guys before. Yeah, they're great guys. Justin Pogge, um, it kind of comes full circle. Justin's Pogge dad, dad owned that car wash. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I call it the pogey price because whatever pogey puts it on for a rental price, he gets it. And I'm like, how are you doing that? It should be like twelve hundred. You're getting twenty two hundred dollars. And then, so um, I kind of just would, you know, bounce off comps and, and as far as what prices would come through and and uh, just kind of followed followed everybody else's lead. So it sounds like you almost internalized that knowledge and you were able to make decisions not through like a spreadsheet or plugging stuff in. You're just like, I know that's going to work. I have a, I have a good feeling because I've analyzed this so much that you, you almost internalize it. If that makes sense. I would say so. I think, uh, getting started, you maybe use some of the bigger pockets calculators mm-hmm. or some of those, uh, renovation calculators. That's, that's a good gold nugget stick out there. There's good calculators on there. There is. And, you know, I think in after doing a couple of them, you know that, you know, a, a appliance says is going to cost you four grand. Yep. Or, you know, you just kind of know and you just can walk through the house real quick and you just got to do a couple and, and, and it'll work out. All right. One thing I want to really talk about, and, and Ted and I have both uh, mentioned that we want to dig into this, car washes. Why and how did you get into those? Well, it's funny because there's one down on 24th and G. And John Pogge, nicest guy in South Omaha. That's what he's known for. Uh, he <laughs> owned about four or five of them, Justin's dad. And in 2018, Sean uh, and Justin were going to sell the one on 24th and G. And he brings me down there and he goes, hey, you want to buy this thing? I go, dude, what the hell am I going to do with a car wash? You know, I don't know anything about car washes. Why would I get into this? And so we passed. And then fast forward to 2019, late 2019, uh, Sean calls me up, says, uh, John's going to sell his last car wash. You interested? I said, well, I look at numbers. Like I'm a numbers guy for sure. And, uh, I'll look at anything. And so he and I looked at it and we're like, man, this, this might actually work, you know? And then we went and sat down with John and, and, uh, looked at the numbers and kind of said, you know, what's your day to day look like? And, you know, what does that look for us when we have different businesses and different things going on? Yeah. How much work am I buying? Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, uh, he had three employees at the time, which is a whole other story because we we caught two of them stealing from us when we got into uh, that that particular car wash. Um, 
but uh, we looked at it and we're like, you know what, we, we should do this. And now I wish I had 10 more of them. Now, who is the we? Is that Sean Peterson? Okay, so is he's your business partner on in the car that wash? on that uh, Vinton Street car wash. Yes. Okay, and so you did a like kind of a joint venture. Yes. Did you form an LLC? We did. Okay. Well, we had actually had one uh, single family residence. I forgot about that house uh, together. But uh, the, <laughs> this is had, such a funny business, isn't it? It like, really oh, is. Oh yeah, I forgot I have that house. Oh, that, that house is. Oh, I won't even go. But we we ended up digging up the front yard one day. The day before Thanksgiving, and it decided because we had we realized we had a leak in the the pipe, and so I have a tractor at home too, and I took out the backhoe and started digging <laughs> this thing out, and then it started snowing and raining and all this stuff, and, and we looked at each other like, "What are we doing here?" It's like we got to fill this hole in before the uh, the city comes by, but it was Thanksgiving, muddy, and like I was leaving town, he was leaving town, and we ended up uh, patching this thing back together, lead pipe. We just kind of like put two clamps in the damn thing, filled the hole back in. With sorry. Get into the weeds again, but yeah, <laughs> I said next year we're gonna laugh about this. By the time it was terrible, you know. Wow, but it worked. Did you probably save yourself fifteen grand? Oh uh, yes, we did. Oh yeah. yes, we did yeah. for sure. Paid for that backhoe exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, so you they brought the car wash to you, and you're like the second time around, they're like, okay, what do you think now? And you're you said, okay, I'll look at it. Numbers looked good. You brought it to your buddy. And he said, "Yeah, I'm in too." Yep. How so, did you How did you guys uh, know how to structure that deal? Did you do like a, just a joint venture? You brought the same money. What did the purchase look like? Like, how does that even work? I don't. I'm I'm not familiar with that. I've never bought a car wash. We ended up using um, our same LLC that we had in uh, the one particular house, the mm-hmm. one house that we had together, and we just said we'll have the LLC. We're both fifty fifty partners. We'll bring the same amount of money down. We bought that for eight hundred and twenty five thousand. Wow. Which is is funny because the bank. Uh, Charter West Bank gave us the note on that. I hope that's right. I think that's right. Anyway, uh, uh, I'm sure they appreciate the shout out, (laughs) even if they didn't do it. Sure, for sure, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Anyway, so the the guy who got us the loan basically was like, the appraiser came by and goes, "There's no self serve car wash. It's ever going to appraise for that." And uh, went down there on a, on a winter winter day when that's where car washes make their money. Is everybody thinks summertime, but it's wintertime around here with all the salt. They want to get the salt, salt off. And crap, yeah, and they and they roll. And anyway, so he had, he had seen the uh, parking lot uh, down the street here, and he was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to appraise." And we got there, and the beautiful thing about a car wash is, you know, it's very much a value add like a just like a, a house or apartment or whatever you can you go in there you clean it up you raise the prices we were at 250 over there we raised it to, or excuse me we we're at two dollars we we're up to 250 now and uh you know we cleaned it up add some uh extra little features and whatnot and and the price and now it's cash flowing like crazy okay so this is a this is a self like spray like you pull into a stall you get out and you have the wand in your hand and you you spray off the car is that it is Correct. that right yep and and so do they have vacuums there? We've got uh, six vacuums. Okay, and then you have probably other little like you know sham wow you can buy over here. For yep, we do. Have, we have a <laughs> ten dollars or whatever vending machine for sure. Yeah, and okay. So and I remember asking you this. I think you and I had a conversation about a year, maybe a little longer than that ago. And you're like, my biggest problem is I need somebody that I can trust to go and empty the coin boxes. And I have to do that. Didn't you say like three times a day during the really busy parts? Is, am I remembering this right? So when John Puggy owned it, that's what he did. He had like a in this in this particular car wash. It's like uh, the Taj Mahal of car washes compared to my other one and the other ones I've been around town. We'll call it a garage Mahal. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 
the, uh, the, I mean, it's very nice. It has a mezzanine inside. It has an office. Very clean. Like typically, uh, most of the car washes around town or like the mechanical room is about the size of this room, maybe mm-hmm. uh, 10 by six or whatever we're in. Uh, this luxury studio yes. that you're in. Yes. And this is for optimum sound quality. Yeah, I, I believe it because you guys sound great. <laughs> <laughs> My question is though, you, okay, so why would you want to empty those out all the time? Why wouldn't you go to a credit card uh, swiper? So that way you're eliminating that whole entire mm, task question. of going to pick, pick up the coins and it, and it takes away people stealing from you. I mean, it seems like it'd be a no-brainer. Yes, a hundred percent. We and we do have uh, credit card uh, machines, but out of the x amount of dollars we bring in every every month, about I don't think any IRS auditors listen to well, this episode. I should say that I didn't speak with we my don't. business partner about the podcast, so I could talk about the other one. How's that sound? Because just out of respect to him, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll make all of our listeners sign a non-disclosure agreement. Go. Uh, you know, let's just say out of the $25,000 that comes in, about, uh, you know, a 20th of that is credit card machine. 25%? About about 20, a 20th of, of $25,000 is only. So about $1,000 a month is coming in on credit cards. So going back to why we can't get the coins out of there. Uh, we now have a bigger hopper, so we don't have to do it. We want to be there as least amount as possible. You know, we, we're in real estate because we want to be passive. And a car wash is not that passive. It is to a certain extent. You know, we try to go there at least once a day to, you know, make sure everything's working. Uh, but clean out the base because the guy with the muddy truck isn't coming there and you can't get pull your nice car in there because there's so much mud. And it, and it happens uh, daily. Wow. And if you guys are ever bored, just call me and I got a car wash story of the day because, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Do, I, do you have a crazy car wash story to tell right now? Like, what's your craziest car? Is there any dead bodies you found in one or anything yet? Uh, we always like to know if there's dead bodies. There's no dead bodies thus far. Half the stories I can't tell you because they're not uh, PG-13, if you will. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of guys who, you know, wh- what am I going to do with this, this couch? I don't want any- want, any- want anymore. I'm just going to put it in the car wash, you know? Uh, well, cause you don't want to have stuff in your truck bed when you're cleaning, right? You just kick it out and you know, you get a lot of tires and stuff, you know, the- but the funny thing about all this is, is we have cameras on there and we know who you are. And most of the- I've watched this, uh, woman back her Jeep in the, in the bay and decide to, uh, uh, throw out 11 white bags of trash out of the back of her car. She just opened the gate and just started throwing them on the ground. Well, I wasn't very happy that morning to see that. And of course, have it on camera, got her license plate, got a great picture of her. Well, I opened the bag of trash. Well, guess what? That's your mail and everything. I know where you live. Uh, this, uh, another story I just heard of. So did you go to wait, her house? Yeah, wait, wait, hang on. You didn't, I feel like this is an unfinished story. So the, I, did, I didn't do it. He did. I, he totally, <laughs> totally just geared off. He's like, oh man, I'm in too deep. I better bail. Abort, abort. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I didn't do it. I was, I was planning on it, but then. You were planning on going to her house and emptying I was going to put it on back trash. on top of her yeah, Jeep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh my I God, didn't. No. I didn't do it because I don't want. You know. It yeah. Just, you remember just, the remember you know, the cozy lawn guy that ended up on the news because he they didn't pay his yes, bill. Yes, I, I remember this. Yes, he did, I remember it. He didn't pay his bill, so he went back and took all the yard clippings from that day's work and then jumped everything in this in this guy's front yard because he didn't pay the bills. That's brilliant. I love it. And it but it was caught on camera, <laughs> and he got and he got and the he was on the news. He got arrested. He did. Yeah. No, that's not that's right. Illegal dumping. I won't. Well, so. I, uh, another car wash buddy in town here, uh, he just told me this story the other day, and hopefully I'm not overstepping my boundaries by telling this, but uh, he owns uh, one car wash, and a gentleman had backed his truck in there with 15 semi, uh, semi-truck semi uh, tires and decided to dump them in the oh, bay. Oh, my gosh. Well, 
dude. My buddy, yeah, my buddy has a dump truck, and because he has another business, and so they have uh, his license and everything else. So they loaded all those 15, 15 tires back up, and they went to his house and backed up and just started dumping them in the driveway. And the guy comes running out, like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm returning your tires to you." And then he goes, "I'm going to call the cops." He goes, "Go ahead, man. Like these are your tires. I got it all on camera." So he's got a little bit more cojones than I do. I wouldn't do that, but <laughs> can you imagine? Um, oh my god, the look on that guy's face would have been priceless. For sure, I, w- yes. I would do that for sure. Man, that that should be that'd be like on America's Home Buddies Home Video type videos. Yeah, oh, that would be so satisfying. But at the same time, you know, like Owen's like this. This would give me so many likes on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> So some of the, the pros and cons of, of, a, of a car wash, you know, definitely passive, but not very passive. You got, you know, I think if you were looking to get into the car wash uh, game, I think it's uh, a, a good business. I mean, it, I can tell you numbers other than the other one I got. Uh, I paid 280 for it. It's a four bay and right outside of Benson across the street from Mantra. And it brings in about $10,000 a month. Okay, so and gross income. What gross are your operating income. expenses normally? I would run? say we're about fifty percent on everything. Okay, including debt service. What? Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, after underwriting uh, that specific deal, um, you know, I was like, well, if I, if I have to put down uh, sixty thousand dollars or whatever, I came out, down out with, and I said, well, if it, even if it cash flows like fifteen hundred dollars a month, I was like, man, that's better than a house. I mean, that's that's pretty good. You know, I'll I'll, I'll do it. And uh, when when negotiating with that particular uh, owner, he was giving me the old. Well, here's here's my my P and L for the the year and stuff. But he was you know giving the old pat of the pocket and the yeah. wink, if you will. And I said, well, my bank's not going to loan on the pat of the pocket and the wink. You know, let's so. compare this to your tax return, right? <laughs> exactly. So he gave me his tax returns, and I went off his worst year. And I said, well, if I could put down sixty thousand dollars and it's going to cash flow about fifteen hundred dollars a month, I said, man, that compared to a house, it's you know a lot better. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, it, it, it does, it does better. And I'm like, I, dude, you can't prove it. I'm not, I'm not going there. And anyway, moving forward, I, I, it does way better. And if you were to tell me today that I was going to do what I do over there for 1500 bucks, I'd be like, get lost, man. There's no way in heck I'm going to take that on. Okay. Hang on. All right. So Andy, I looked into recently a, um, roll off storage or excuse me, a roll off dumpster business. Sure. I, I'm still looking into it actually. And so it's got a pretty hefty price tag because it's you know they have uh, quite a few boxes and there's employees and all that. So when you're buying a car wash, what type of a loan can you get on that, and how does it differ from a traditional like I'm going to buy a single family or I'm going to buy a multifamily property where you have twenty percent down, eighty percent leverage? What does that look like? Because you do you have to get an SBA loan? You can, and okay. actually, uh, I've been trying to to buy a couple other. Uh, car washes in town, but I I have the exact um, same exact uh, financing that I get on houses is still twenty percent down, you know twenty year AM, you know five year balloon typically. Uh, I usually work with uh, Melanie Staben, Ray Grace, mm-hmm. or uh, Nate Lindley out at UBT Bank. Great people, nice. But, but, a little unprompted shout out there. Sorry, I had to. No, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we love those. So one one thing I'm wondering is that there is, at least in this Omaha area, and I know this is a trend all around, is that there is tunnel car washes opening everywhere. There's tunnel car washes opening up next to other tunnel car washes yes. just to compete with each other. What? Why would somebody – I mean, I see some reasons, but – what is the reason that you can still make it in this type of market, especially if there's 21 of just one car wash going to be in town? 
You know, I it's it's funny that it's doing. I think it's kind of it's it's very similar to the Walgreens CVS. We're going to go right across each other and see who can outdo the other. I don't think they'll all survive personally. I'm, I'm going to print a mile long receipt. We are not. <laughs> That's how CVS. Oh yeah, is. somebody's going to end up buying all of them out in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think. Uh, and, and it's two different demographics to answer your question. I mean, I'm a guy. I'm a car guy, and I'm never going to. You're never going to see me in a tunnel unless I'm taking your car because you asked me to wash it. But uh, will you? Because yeah. I don't wash it enough. <laughs> we. There's two different types of people. I would never go because of all the scratching, the touching, everything like this. And I want to be able to wipe it down and 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 uh, make it look nice and do all that stuff. But I, I totally get the model that uh, somebody on the go needs to go through there and get their car clean. Uh, Aaron Weiscarver, he lives by Russell Speeders, and he has the membership. And, you know, the, the it, it's very good for the tunnels. They make a lot of money. I've looked at the numbers. They're, they're phenomenal. And that's why there's so many of them going up. But he's one of the abusers. He goes every morning because he's got his daughters, and they have the light shows. And I, I, I go so, every morning. Do you? Yeah. And so it's great. I mean, why, why would you not? I mean, you get a nice, clean car. You look hold, professional where you go. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I literally wash my truck like four times a year. I'm, I'm not even kidding. And, 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 it, and it rusts out. Yes. It'll rust out. You Are you telling me that you go to the car wash every morning? I drop the kids off and I go to the car wash. They have unlimited memberships. Um, yeah. What the it's, hell, it's, man? It's 30 bucks a month and I get it no matter what. And they're going to clean all the salt off. And clean. I have an old truck. I don't want to rust out. But he just doesn't want any clear coat on it either. We we put that back on me. <laughs> well, anyone please chime in on how weird this is. Am I the only one that thinks this is super weird? Am I? No. Like you? No, I even see the same vehicles no. when I go in the morning. Yeah, I'd say you're. It happens a lot more. I'm in the, I'm in the normal spectrum. Yeah. Okay. What? Okay. Wow. Holy crap! There are people that actually do that, and this is okay. So. They come by and they say, hello, sir, would you like to buy the unlimited membership? And I'm like, uh, no, dude, I wash my truck like three times a year, four times a year. They're like, okay. And then they have like two other checkpoints they have to go through, right, on the on their whole upsell. I'm a car guy. You're not a car guy. Yeah, but what, I mean, what are you driving? It's not like you have a Ferrari Testarossa. No, I mean, do you have a Lambo you're going through there? I mean, no offense, you're a dad. I'm I mean, a, you're, you have a Suburban, <laughs> dude. But it's not like... I have a Tahoe. I, but or excuse show, me, a Tahoe. And it's I mean, like, I get it. I have a, I have a freaking Nissan, and you know, got, Titan. It's, and, and I got shiny wheels I, mean, I got to keep, keep clean. Okay. I mean, you're not out, like, picking up chicks at the club. What do you need to wash your car every it day It looks professional for? when he shows up for a listing appointment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, All right. I, I, I cannot stand having a dirty vehicle. <sighs> yeah. and, and, and before the tunnel car washes... It, it, I'd still hand wash my car probably it's a waste of time. two to three times a week. It's a waste of time. I got four black cars, five if you count my wife's. D- and, okay. Uh, T- hey, we're, we're two versus two here. Yeah, Dennis yeah, agrees with okay. it. It's a thing, but you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself a car guy. No, right? not at all. Well, then you just don't give it. I, I'm on my fourth, I, what, fourth or fifth vehicle since I turned 16. Mm, I'm like fourth. And I'm 29. Like last, last year. Yeah, 29. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I've had, I checked my own registry and I think I've had over 30 vehicles. So Really? You can do that? You guys are weird. Yeah, there's a background check called Forewarn. You can check it and it'll come up with every vehicle that's oh, ever been. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely on that. Ever, sure. been, <laughs> ever been warned, ever been issued. Yeah. Okay, Andy, car washes, good or bad? Are you going to buy more? I've been he trying. Just said, he just said, I, I, don't you listen to the guy? He's been, like, I'm trying to find. I do when I listen to the, when I tune into the podcast. I listen, but not <laughs> sure. when I'm actually talking. So I've actually been trying to. I've gone down the path and I've missed out on four. And it's interesting because it's a good old boy system. Most the, they don't trade hands that often. The, the old uh, self serve. 
both the guys that are getting out now and including John, they were in it for 25, 35, 40 years. Uh, and so they don't trade hands, but the, the guys that, that are selling them right now that I've lost out and, you know, he's asking for this number and I'm like, ah, bro, like, and, and banks and talking with my banks, they're like, we want to mimic or, or, you know, recreate the, exact- we, we like what you did. On right. The other exactly. One. Find so, us one of those and exactly. we'll loan on it. And, and these guys are, are dreaming to be honest with you. And, and they got their price on, on a, but I've, I don't know how you're going to make money. Go back to the example of I'm going to, I'm going to do all of this for 1500 bucks a month. Well, now instead I'm making $5,000 a month from the one, one. Okay. Uh, so what about cost to build out? To build a new one. Yeah. I Honestly, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't see anybody building self-serves. Oh, man. I, I had a client that built one in um, in the Elkhorn area uh, off of uh, 140, uh, 144th, kind of towards Giles. Okay. Which is uh, in the Gretna or West Omaha area. And uh, I, I got to find out. It, but it seems every time I drive by, it's completely packed. Is it a tor- tornado? Yeah. yeah. I know the tornado. But he's yeah. got two uh, in-bay automatics and then yeah. three uh, in-bays. So, I mean. If you, but that's been some years since he built that. So now, though, would you look into buying something? Would you buy a couple houses maybe if it was in the right area? Blackstone. So, not Blackstone, but you know somewhere that's in a, in a downtown urban area. Would you bulldoze a couple and potentially look at doing that? I, I mean, I would definitely uh, entertain the idea. I know there's not a lot of people doing it. I'm in a lot of forums and Facebook groups and stuff that are all about laundry mats and and, uh, and car washes, and you just don't see anybody building them. I, but I'd heard it's about $80,000 a bay. Whether that holds true today or not, that's kind of what they – That seems like it can make sense though, right? I would think so. But we, we know a guy that sells all the equipment for the car washes if you need, a, if you need an end. Axel Foley. And – Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. <laughs> they, I think, are. I think it's official. They are building one. Axel and Andrea are building oh, nice. a car, a new car wash out on like 120th and Fort ish. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Self serve. It's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm so far out on the limb right now. It's cracking behind me. Um, I think it's a unmanned <laughs> tunnel. Sure. Okay. Like that, I'll sure. hey, that's where I'm hanging my hat. Okay, yeah. Well, the tunnels. I mean, you got that belt, and that's where the money. You know, keep keep those cars flowing through there. You know, one of our biggest uh, hurdles over here is you know the cars pull in and then they got to back out and they got to pull in. They have well, they have to dump trash. I mean, you know, we can't do that in one. We have the wildest stuff happen. I've watched two guys get in a fist fight because you pulled in before me, and and they're like, guys, oh, that 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 just totally gets my goose. (laughs) (laughs) That grinds your gears. Really chaps my ass. Yeah, all those words. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay, so what are you doing now with real estate? So I, the car, the car wash stuff is fascinating. I actually looked into like laundromats and car washes, and I kind of went down that rabbit hole for a little while. Never pulled the trigger on anything. I had a vending business. I heard you mention this on the way in. I had a that was my very first deal I ever bought. Nice. Uh, it was a little vending route candy to put in the quarter, mm-hmm. turn it. You get a handful, right? I had like forty of those, oh, forty wow. of those locations. Logistics was probably the yeah, biggest hurdle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I loved the cash business thing. Mm-hmm. Have you looked into laundromats? Uh, briefly. Yeah. When I was in say middle school, my my uh, aunt and uncle own a appliance sales store called Beatty Appliance in a small town in Illinois. Oh, okay. And so they sold and repaired appliances, and so they opened a, a laundromat out there. And, and every summer we would spend two or three weeks out there. 
and part of our duty was to go clean the laundry mat. Oh, geez. And these are people who can repair them and do it, but it was just the same thing with the car wash. You got to show up every day and empty the lints yeah. and, and, and take the quarters and all that, and they, were, and they rolled their eyes. They got burned out. They got burned out, yeah. and so ever since then, I've been a little hesitant, but there's guys that are car washes say laundromats are nothing and, and vice versa. So, so okay, with a, all right, let, let's say you own a couple locations like you do, uh, car washes, and it's a cash business, right? And people, my, my fear always was, you have people with sticky fingers, right? So they're going to come and this is to your point, Ted, about converting it into a credit card. Um, like, is that, is that not a thing? Are we not all cashless now? Or is it, have you found that you're just getting a much better ROI with people that are plugging quarters? No, it, uh, we would love to have it be, you know, less, less, uh, on, on, on your equipment, everything that come through as far as getting rid of the coins and the, so we don't have to turn over and we just love the, the credit cards. Uh, this particular area that we have this one, um, heavy a lot cash, of heavy cash. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a lot of credit cards in, in this area. So, uh, it just is what it is. Sure. Okay. No, good stuff. Um, switching gears here, Ted, you want to take we, us into our, yeah, well, I, I did have a question for you. So you, you have you have the growth happening with the, the car washes. You got your portfolio. Um, you t- you mentioned at one point that your goal was to add 10, uh, 10 units to your portfolio every year. Obviously, you, you said that that's kind of gone to the wayside just with the way life is going. I get that because my goal for the last two years has just been to double my portfolio every year. That's, that's nice. My, and I want to do that for five years. So, uh, but what is your, what is your future look like? Like, where where do you see yourself in five, ten, twenty years? You know, I, I say this: it's multifamily. is is bigger multifamily, sixty units plus. And I say that, and I have no experience in it, but uh, that's where I see. You know, it's a big business. So it's where you, it's where you see yourself. That's all that matters. That's, yeah. You know, if you want to compare the two car washes, we have one employee that goes over there and, and sweeps a lot and does all that stuff. But there's money to pay for him. If I had to hire somebody at the other one that's a little bit smaller and does about a third of the revenue. You know, the money's gone, not gone, but you know, it's just like the returns are not great. So when you look at multifamily versus single family, we're talking about two different, but you got, you get big business. So you can have somebody paying to do the, the maintenance and the leasing and the book work and all that stuff versus me doing all those things with single family. So multifamily is your next steps. That's, that's my goal. That's where, that's where I'm headed. I like to, uh, I like to, to try and buy something this year. We shall see. And you're pretty young. Do you think that you're going to be expanding a family in the, in those future years? Do you think that there is there generational wealth plans that you're kind of putting in 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 your mind? Sure. Uh, for those of you not uh, on video, he had a significant <laughs> deer in headlights look on his face just now. You know, <laughs> I mean, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. No, I, we, I think my wife Cassie, beautiful wife Cassie, uh, we will have kids eventually. I don't know when that will be. She's five years younger than I am, and uh, you know, we have we have plans too. We you know. We always say one more year, one more year. We're going to go travel here. We're going to do this here. We're going to do all that. And then, so it, it hasn't happened yet. But as far as my uh, wife's like seven years younger than I am. So I was like, I got time. It's right? all good. But I'm not going to have kids past 40. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting up there, 36 <laughs> years old. So, um, but the generational thing, yeah. I mean, that's the big why. One of my big whys is uh, watching my mother and work. And my mom was a hard, hard worker. She worked, you know, show up at 5 a.m. and leave at six. And that's where I got my work ethic from. And she worked the corporate ladder. She was a, a force to be reckoned with, if you will. And then she got all the way to the top, you know, so to speak, and flicked her off and hired three more people for the same salary she was getting. And now she still works her butt off for little to no money trying to trying to make things happen. So one thing I wanted to ask you, kind of rewinding a little bit to your childhood, you mentioned you you lived in eight or nine different uh, residences when you were growing up. Did your 
So your parents divorced. Yep. And you did you stay with your mom? Correct. Okay. So your mom had custody. And of those houses that you lived in, were they all rentals? No. Okay, so she, did she buy each one of those, she or do buy, you remember? We, I know, yeah, I know, I don't remember yeah. a whole lot of stuff from we, that age. I don't but. think we. The only time we had a rental was at apartment while we were by the thing, like yeah, they were separating. But yeah, yeah. huh? Okay, yeah. I was just curious on how that might have impacted your, um, you know, outlook and and kind of trajectory on what you were doing with you know buying and and selling and hanging on to stuff. So yeah, it's always interesting. Uh, your childhood kind of like has you know it's a formative years, hundred so. percent. Andy, how do you balance uh, time with Cassie, but also you self-manage 18 properties yeah, and you self-manage car washes? Like, is there is there a plan of action you have to kind of create that balance between time for her and time for the business? You know, I kind of contribute that to, you know, like going to the weight room. You know, when, when like 2017 hit, like I was stressed to the max. I had all these cars coming in with all this hail damage and everything, and I was working 15-hour days and just like – you know, honey, she was so very supportive, always there, uh, you know, to make sure that everything was taken care of on the home front. I was out there trying to make the money. And I basically was like, you know, we just have to get through this. Let, let me make some money here and it'll be a, a good chunk. And then we'll, you know, have time to go on vacation or whatever else. But our time together now is it's, it's kind of evened out with work because I've been able to step back. I know that there's X amount of dollars coming in that we can still spend time together. She works nights as a uh, nurse practitioner at CHI. So we're kind of on opposite schedule. So when we do get time together, we really appreciate that. And uh, as far as the the balance, it's just, we do it whenever we can. And, and yeah, I, if, if, if it, if it's going to hailstorm is going to come and I got to work, she understands if she's got things going on, you know, working nights and stuff, we just kind of, you know, know that that's part so, of the part of the process. So you guys are still in the younger years, and you're just you're just busting butt, trying to make as much money as you can, Try. so that you can take the nice vacations. Try. And 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 when Nothing you when and if you do have the kids down the road, then you guys will be even more prepared for right. that moment. Right, I get it. Hey, so early on, uh, I know we were kind of talking through how you got involved in real estate in the in the beginning, and you were you were kind of like looking back and saying, I listened to a lot of podcasts and all that. Did you have anybody that you maybe talk to on a regular basis? Uh, we touched on the fact that maybe certain circles of friends aren't the right people to talk to about business growth or personal development. Did anybody in your life stick out that you maybe uh, learned a few things from that, that uh, you want to mention? You know, I had mentioned my buddy Pat was, was getting into the game. Obviously, Sean uh, being a realtor, uh, Aaron, we, we can, we can talk as, as far as the rehab thing goes. Uh, my stepfather had a couple rentals growing up and he would always kind of bad mouth it. Like, you know, this is a pain in the butt, but, uh, nothing like over the top, reach out to somebody and really have that mentor, which is very helpful. In most people's journeys. If you yeah. Will. Well, it's funny, you know, we, we've, we talk about this a lot. It's kind of a recurring theme on, on the podcast mentorship, but there's kind of like official and unofficial mentors in your life and people that provide guidance, maybe without them even realizing it. I would say podcasts. Yeah. Podcast is the mentorship for me. I mean, literally, I got, I got more out of books and podcasts than I ever did with meeting like one-on-one with somebody or, or, you know, kind of the more formal context. For me, you? for me, it was uh, my business partners, uh, Jerry Schlipperin, just being across the the limo company business partner, <laughs> no, mentor. No, Jerry Schlipperin. Uh, though I, for six months when I came onto the real estate company, I literally sat on the other side of the desk, just like we are, we because li- they didn't have a space. So I sat on this side, staring and listening to every conversation. 
and and watch what they, her and Mike Schlipperin were doing. And I was just inspired by that. And then I got into the podcasting and I always read leadership books. It's just, I, I like to, when I read, I like to, to take me next level. So uh, that is what escalated me to kind of do more. But. Yeah. Hey, there, there is something though. Um, you mentioned earlier that you were hinting towards some really good stories. And maybe we can get into some of that in our Failing And this Failing Forward is brought to you by JM Real Estate Capital. Hi, it's Rob, JM Real Estate Capital. We're the money guys that you need to know for all your real estate investments. Talk to us. We can do what your local bank can't or won't do. We don't have millions. We have trillions with a T to lend. 844-WE-CLOSE or go online at jmrecapital.com. That's jmrecapital.com. JM Real Estate Capital, smart solutions for the real estate investor. Yeah, that almost sounded recorded. That was it, good. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, cool. impromptu <laughs> harmonizing. Sometimes, Den- boom. I think Demos uses our na- <laughs> our real version than playing the pre-recorded version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in this section, we like to talk about something that could be business or it could be real estate, where it was a failure that um, that you learned from and took it to the next level, and and so that's our feeling for it. So, do you have an example that we could go over today? Well, I would say, I don't know if it, well, it was a fail for sure, but one of, <laughs> one of the stories that kind of sticks out to me, well, we, we had the very successful first foreclosure buy, and we had, after I did that one, I realized, well, if we can do one, why not get multiple going at the same time? And I had reached out to, uh, or maybe it had been the fact that uh, I didn't have any money because it hadn't been closed yet, but I ended up buying two more uh, foreclosures from the auction, but I had used my best friend's parents' money. That's always kind of interesting. Okay, and and you know they've done very well for themselves and and great people. I consider them just like a second mom and dad. And uh, we had the the second one where I told you where the guy was crying and the mom didn't know that was the one, and we ended up making about five thousand dollars on that deal. And I gave it all to my uh, buddy's dad because you know he didn't believe in real estate. And after that, I still don't think he believes in real estate today, which is unfortunate because I feel like we could have done something. But uh, the third one, uh, we we bought this thing and it had to go through the courts. I don't I don't know all the foreclosure process, but I'd, we'd won the bid, if you will, and then it had like a thirty day go through the courts type deal. And I kept driving by this thing and like. I was like, what the heck did I just do? Like every time I drive by it, I'd see a different car, you know, like the front window was plexiglass. The, the, the siding was melting off this thing. Like, man, this better be a good one, whatever. And so it's a long story. And I don't know if you want to get into it necessarily, but bought that one for $105,000 and went to, once we were awarded the house, I decided to go there just like I did with the first two first day, you know, why would I not? And I, typically would sit outside and kind of watch the surroundings, if you will. And there's a kid that ran inside real quick and I went and pound on the door and I'm like, I had researched on the assessor, what his name was. I was like, is is Randy home? And he goes, no, he's not here. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll wait for him here. And the kid turns around he's probably high school age, turns around, goes inside. Well, as soon as he opens the door, like pot smoke is just rolling out (laughs) of this house. And I'm like, oh no. And so I ended up calling the cops and, uh, within the meantime, uh, uh, a gentleman had pulled up, and I, I use gentleman lightly, uh, with his hoodie and a fifth of vodka and a case of beer. And he goes running inside, screaming up and down the street and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man. And I had watched a bunch of kids coming out of this house. 
Anyway, so yeah, what like well, I'm intrigued. What was going What was going on there? So I called the cops and I said, "Hey, here's my paperwork. I own this house. Can you guys go clear this house?" And I said, "There's probably about 15 people in there." They said, "Okay." So the 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 two lady officers go inside and and they come back super nice and they said, "Hey, you know, we've got the gentleman on the couch." Um, and with his kid, do you want to go talk to him? I said, yeah, sure. I just want to look at the property real quick. I want to talk to him, see what he says. Well, the guy was hammered. So I go inside and, uh, I said, Hey man, I'm really sorry about your luck. And he had some profane, uh, words to say like, Oh man, you got screwed. If you bought this house kind of thing, like he had planned this, find out from the neighbors that he had planned to go into foreclosure, uh, based on the fact that he was just, I think he was mad. The city screwed up his water line or like he had a, a, a drain line that was collapsed he was going to show them he yes he was going to show them so he planned that this thing was going to get foreclosed on and then continued to learn this is later on but learned that this is the party house so i'm inside i'm like hey man sorry sorry about your luck like i'll give you like a week and he's like i don't need a week i'll be out here in 24 hours and like when and he was hammered i can tell you and these cops are standing at me like you're you're not you're screwed buddy they're but, like good luck with yeah. all that he grabs a suitcase anyway so i, I said well i'm just going to take a quick look around and then I'll be out of your hair, and then uh, I'll be back in a week or whatever. And so I, I looked at the one police officer. I said, have you, like, looked around? Because she goes, no, it's just him and him and the, the kid. And I said, no. I said, okay, well, you go downstairs with me. So we go downstairs, and this house has mold growing up to, like, doorknobs in every room, spray-painted downstairs. There's dog feces all over the ground. There's an active leak coming from the sink, which is causing all this mold going on. And then you go into the back room, and there's about eight kids hiding back there, trying to, like, hide from the police. And it's all high school kids, and this is all, like, they're... During with, the day. And the, is... da- and the dad was buying them booze. And so they would all come there and drink and oh smoke pot God. and do all this, you know, party kids, if you will. We were all there at one point. Was Ted there? Was Ted, there? <laughs> Ted was definitely there. Um, and so the, the police officer, of course, was extremely upset. And she says, you, you know, get your butts upstairs. We're calling all your parents and whatever else. And I go upstairs and I'm like, man, like you police officers take care of this. Thank you very much. I'll be back in a week. And, and uh, I ended up taking a buddy of mine who is a, a state trooper back with me because that one was a little bit different than the other. Well, I go there and they had taken everything he needed out of there. And uh, next door, they're having a party. Well, it turns out it was the guy's sister. Oh God. And they were, they were like hooting and hollering when me and the state trooper were walking through this place and they would run in there. Like we were in there, like looking at this place and I'm like, and this is my third deal. Like I still don't know what the heck I'm doing today. I'd be like, yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll get this fixed up. No problem. Uh, anyway. So, they, they made a game out of it. When we were inside, they would send one of their drunk friends over there to like go inside and like grab a chair and like run back over it. And then they would cheer and then they would do it again and again and again. And so I'm like, <laughs> what in the heck is going on? And so I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my friend's money. And so I spent the next three days, you know, no sleep. I, I, I've got to get this money returned. I, I, I've got to do everything. So I went downstairs and I painted the whole place white over the mold, everything like gutted it, like paid people to clean it out. Just like try to clean it up as best as possible. And then I put it on Zillow or whatever I put it on and, and a bunch of guys started coming by and I was getting offers. I, I paid one Oh five. I was getting offers like 40, 45, you know, and I was, oh, like, I was like, this is not going to be good. And uh, finally one, one guy showed up and said, I give you a hundred and remember $108,000 or something like that. And it paid basically paid for all the cost of, uh, of, of having it cleaned out and everything. But I lost so much sleep and I realized that you need to do a little bit more digging before you get into something as crazy as that. 
when you do the auction, is is there any like? Do you have the addresses and stuff that are, of the houses are going to be on there? Yes, they're on there. It, okay. and it depends. And I've actually gone into many houses. They say, of course, don't go into these houses. But, you know, windows open. You're going to go in there and check out because you don't want to lose your butt like I almost did on that particular house. I've gone into a house, you know, dark, silent. And that silent is deadly because you don't know who's behind door number one. And it is, it's, it's pretty scary to go through these houses. I wouldn't suggest doing that, by the way. <laughs> kind of like dan zimmerman and you got the dancing tutu coming out of the out of the basement (laughs) (laughs) hey uh, real quick so i have a a buddy of mine that he's a like farm manager in uh, uh rural iowa so like silver city iowa he has a place there and he manages farms for people right so it's kind of like real estate you pay a property manager he manages you know people that do the farming and so forth distributes the um you know the in he takes in the income pays the expenses and so forth right and he's like, hey, uh, I know of this house uh, that's been vacant for a while now, and it's in like kind of like BFE in uh, like outside of Council Bluffs between there and Trainer or something like that. So r- rural I, rural I, area. I, I, Iowa. Yeah. So far, a farmhouse <laughs> this is. Okay. So I'm like, he goes, would you mind just going to – sorry about all the sound effects here. Uh, would you mind going over there and checking out the house and kind of like letting me know what you think it's worth? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. I have, uh, I have to do this. I'll run over there today. So there's no power at all. Like, I mean, it's been vacant for two years, probably in the middle of nowhere. And I go out there and I'm, I'm walking through the house and I'm on the phone with him and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm looking through it. Here's, you know, this and this looks like it's in pretty good shape. Here's what I see wrong with it. Blah, blah, blah. And then I think I let him go. And and then I'm like, you know what? I should probably check out the mechanical room. So I go in the basement and it like, have you seen the movie saw or any of them? Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. It was kind of like that. (laughs) So I walk down in the basement and I'm like looking around and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself at the time I have a, like I have a mag light, like a flashlight and I'm looking around and you know, I'm not feeling any fear at all. Like I, I, as far as the, the place is abandoned, no big deal. Not, not any, you know, no sweat. So I'm walking around and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, here's the panel. I went over and checked out the furnace. Okay. Here's the water softener, this and that. And I, I, and I had like this epiphany at the time and I was like, there is something really, really wrong with me (laughs) because I'm standing in the middle of nowhere in a basement that's pitch black with a flashlight and I feel no fear at all. But I tell you what, if I'm in my own basement in my own house, <laughs> there are rooms I'm kind of scared of. Like I don't, you know, like I kind of walk quickly upstairs or whatever. <laughs> like I, there's something wrong with real estate investors, Le- legit. Like yeah. there, I don't, there, I don't know if there's ever been studies done, but there is something wrong with everybody listening that. to this. I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> so there wasn't like anything hanging from the ceiling that made you feel like you're in a Saw movie. No, dude, it was super creepy. There's like, like yeah. Like water dripping. I was trying to do that sound effect. <laughs> Dentalist might need some help. It, with worked, this. Out, it worked out. But well. like, there's water slowly dripping, and like, like shadows everywhere, and like cobwebs, and like, like when he says, "There's no the, torture room." If that's what you're that's getting exactly at, exactly. I thought you meant. I thought you were going to tell me that. There no, was, there's some weird stuff, man. That I had not, I couldn't explain. I didn't fearless. really know what I was looking at. I'm like, okay, I is this something to deal with farming? I don't know. There's like, a, there's, maybe it's stretching people and taking their skin off. There, Could also be that. There was an old house that I. <laughs> There's an old house that I sold. It was actually Ruben's house. We talked about this. The the Turley house. The one that they stole the air conditioning out of. Ruben Gomez. <laughs> anyway, long story short, 
um, I was the listing agent on this thing, and I went down to the basement, and I'm like, and I just had this sick, eerie, creepy feeling in this basement. Oh yeah, you told you, yeah. yeah. And and no kidding, uh, I find out the night, and I was like, I was like, I gotta get out of here. I just was like antsy, and and then you go in one room, and it's just got this weird concrete table. Well, it was a mortuary back in the day, oh. and and they they did they did embalments in the basement, oh. and and I'm like, no wonder I didn't like it down there. <laughs> Just, I just felt it. I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> I just told this story recently. So I, I dated this girl in college that uh, had li- – she lived in a converted – it used to be a funeral home, right? And they converted it into like a five-unit. And there were all these like you know softball and volleyball girls that would rent this place. And so I dated the girl that lived on the bottom level. And uh, they – there was there was this elevator, but it was like a they called it a dumb waiter. So you had to actually like pull a rope. Oh yeah, and that's how they got the body from the main level to the basement and vice versa. And there was actually an embalming table down there. Wow. Oh, good times. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is a great feeling forward. I mean, we got some good content out of that one. So hey, but it is about that time. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. All right, so Andy, in this section, Andrew, uh, we are going to cover the same questions we talk to every guest about, and uh, these are kind of rapid fire, so let us know what you got, all right? Sure. All right. First question, how were you able to change your mindset to get started in real estate investing? You know, I don't know if there was one thing that changed my mind. To me, it's all these little different bits and pieces that you learn to change your mindset. Like I might have a conversation with this person or that person or hear this from this this book. I don't know if that's answering your question, but I'm just saying that all these things you you put together over time where I had, was originally going to buy a house to rent out in about 2012. And I had talked to a buddy who was a mortgage broker and he's like, man, you're buying at a retail price. Why the heck would you do that? And he was basically explaining to me what the burr process was before I even had heard of bigger pockets or any of that kind of stuff. And so he had kind of put that little nugget in my head and then moving forward and moving forward and moving forward and hearing different things and reading books and podcasts and everything. So all those bits and pieces had changed my mindset to get into flipping houses and getting into the rental properties and just kind of put it all together. You know, we always say, you know, if we knew then what we know now, we would be, you know, so much further along. Yep. And I, and I truly believe in that. But today, like, what do we need to know today? Who do we need to talk to? Who, what books do we need to read? What do we need to know today? That's going to exponentially grow us to the next thing. So in 12 months, you can't look back and go, well, you know, uh, I'm in the same place I was. What I love about that is it's kind of a contrast between the skeptical mind and the curious mind. So if you're walking around and talking to people just in your everyday life and you find out maybe you're talking to somebody that's a successful businessman or real estate investor or owns car washes, instead of immediately defaulting to, I can't do that, this, oh, that'll never work, or you know, having that skeptical voice in your head that says, you know, don't do that. That's a bad idea. You you have an open mind and you say, huh, I've never explored that. Let me look into it further. And then maybe you look, maybe you listen to a podcast on it. Maybe you go further down the rabbit hole and say, you know what? I could do that. That guy did it. Why, why can't I? So I, I like that in that I think you're, you're leaving yourself open to other ideas when you may be focused on things, but you are looking to expand. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I like that. I, I gotta like tell that. you though, if I could look back and give myself one piece of advice, it'd be understanding hard money a little bit better. 
Now, regardless, I wouldn't be able to convince my wife to move forward at that time. <laughs> but it, but the understanding of hard money and how to use hard money to benefit you, um, when I was all about all in my head about not having the money to sure. get it going, that, that that could have been my one thing I could tell myself. Sure. Ooh, that, you know, that's a good point, and it and it kind of highlights the difference between abundance and scarcity mentality. Where in abundance mentality, you say, "How can I do it?" Mm-hmm. And you might look at hard money as a tool, and you say. That's going to cost me $5,000. Great, because it's going to make me make 20 or 15 or 10 or whatever the number is. Whereas if you were a scarcity mentality, you would say, that's way too expensive. I would never pay that much money. And if you look at it as a tool and a stepping stone, then it's all numbers. Like, just break it down. It's an opportunity cost. And and if you're listening to this and you you haven't done your first deal yet, literally, you, you have your sheet and you're putting all your bids together, right? And you got your contractor and you got your landscaper and what you're into yourself, but also put a line in there that just says my loan cost. It's a line item. It's a line item. And look at the big total on the bottom and you can move forward and you can do this. Would you pay $5,000 to make $20,000? I already did. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of passions or hobbies do you have? Uh, I like anything with uh, a motor or wheels, like I mentioned earlier. Yep. I high, high five, five you. Yeah. Uh, I've had I've had four Mustangs, you know. I've always been a Mustang guy. I've never had a Lambo, but you know, I'm still young. I like boating, anything <laughs> with water. We've got a pool in the backyard, so we like to entertain. Um, just you know, kind of get out and let loose a little bit. I like to golf. I'm not very good, so I'm not playing with you because you'll be like, no way. He's yeah. actually really fun to play with, and I suck really bad. Yeah, <laughs> I I, uh, I fell two years ago cleaning or painting my pool and hurt my shoulder, so that's my excuse today that I. Terrible. Got it. I, I have used that to be halfway decent. Yeah, but, my yeah. shoulder. Um, what is your favorite uh, podcast or podcasts currently? I always got to go to Bigger Pockets. Everybody does. Are uh, you caught up? I am not. You know what? Honestly, tell not, it. Say it because because I, I have something to say. Yeah. It's since Brandon left, yeah. I haven't been. I haven't been there. I read. I Denlis and I were just talking today at the real luncheon, which the power went out and it was super fun. Um, the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, I started reading the reviews on on Apple on there. It's like every other review, and it probably changes by minute by minute because they have like a quarter million listeners a month. But it was like it was like um, don't like the multiple episodes. You're you're, you're uh, don't don't like the new co-host. He he kisses your butt instead of go, instead of uh, um, pushes you to be better. Um, there was just the comments. I was actually shocked that there was so much. Huh. Neg- I mean, it was like literally every two was a negative one referring back to they Do don't they, like what they're doing. Can uh, the general public see who listens uh, and how it fell off or not? No. Or can, you can't look at that. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Like, I'm not hating on them. Obviously, they've done a f- fantastic job. But yeah, I've it's still the OG and still the best out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the gold standard. Yeah. And I still listen to it. But I've just gotten to a point where I don't listen to the whole thing anymore. Any other podcasts you'd suggest out there? Uh, I'm always a Cardone guy. Like them or hate them. Uh, I think what he has to say makes a ton of sense uh, in in general. Uh, we call Van Deeb the Grant Cardona. Oh yeah. my, wow, he looks so like he didn't like that comment. No, he, <laughs> he didn't. Did I even said that when he was at the uh, the meetup when he was talking. I was like, he looked just like Grant Cardone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I saw him at lunch today. Um, a Michael Blanc. And I like his stuff. Real estate guys love real estate I, guys. Me too. I've been yeah. going to a lot of their uh, seminars down in Dallas for the no last way. year and a half. Yeah. Huh. You ever been to the one in Belize? 
I haven't. I'm I'm a little jealous because I was going to sign up for it, but I had to check with the wife, and by the time I had to check with the wife, it was it was sold out. So yeah, I like the real estate guys. That, that's anybody that's uh, a podcast avid podcast follower of real estate stuff. They're they're really good. Always up to date with like current news, and they keep it entertaining and fresh. Yeah. And they have good speakers. Robert Helms is a hell of a speaker. Yeah, he is. He really he is. He could tell. I mean, yeah. he's just you should yeah. go, you should go with us to the BPCon 22. You going? I'll go. Yeah, it's in San Diego. When? First week of October. Yep, Done. you're there. All, All right. right, we had Boom. 16. I'll take. Well, should we take the limo? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> we had 16 RIA members uh, go to the last BBCon, oh, wow. and with uh, and we went, and uh, I think we'll have at least 30 this time around. Cool, I'm in. Cool. Uh, what book would you suggest to a new investor or an established investor given the hump? And hump could be somebody trying to get into it for the very first time, or it could be they wanting to get into something new. They're maybe going to the multifamilies or you know, something to kind of get that mindset change. Sure. I think my one of my favorite books, of course, everybody's going to go to the old classic, but for the, the Purple Bible, the Purple, Purple Bible, but my uh, one of mine is uh, the Cashflow Quadrant. Yes. You know, I love that book. Me too. Like, it was just yeah. like such a mindset change for me that it was like oh my gosh like duh like how do we not know this beforehand that hit me more than uh rich dad i think rich dad poor dad opened my eyes and then cash flow quadrant i was like what the hell is this yeah that 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 was a very impactful book for me too um okay last question for you how can our listeners support you and what's the best way to reach you and by support you what are you looking for in your business right now? Are you looking for more car washes? Are you looking for more flips, more rentals? You, mo- you mentioned multifamily partnerships. What, what's uh, what's Andy's flavor of the uh, flavor of the week? You know, I'm looking. <laughs> look, I'm spread a little thin. No, uh, I'm looking to get into some GP or some LP stuff with the multifamily for sure. I, I would look at any car wash that somebody would want to partner with or whatever. Or I, I'd help anybody underwrite it. You know, I, I I feel like I know enough now, just being in a couple of years, that I could definitely shed some light on that. Um, but you know, the flips and stuff, I say, I don't want to do anymore. And then you, it's got to put right in front of you. And you're like, ah, the carrot thing. Thank you. It's right in front of you. I, I, I should probably the bag, bag of meth in front of your face. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was just I'm trying to be relatable. Then let's, <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm workshopping some new material here. All right. Well, we'll cross out the meth thing on the next episode. <laughs> Any shout outs you want to give to anybody in your life? Uh, you know, I love to shout out my wife, Cassie. Uh, she's always put up with my shit, if you will. Uh, of course, my mom, Victoria, dad, Rick, John. Uh, John's my brother. Aaron Weiscarver. I spoke with both of them. Basically, all the guys I've already talked about, they uh, all helped me be where I am today. And and uh, they're all good people in my life. So, If somebody wanted to... Like float a deal by you, or maybe get some help in underwriting a car wash, uh, you know, situation, or maybe had a you know JV potential sure. deal. How do they how do they get hold of you? So I would email me at uh, APM Properties. Okay. Uh, excuse me, APM Properties NE as in Nebraska at Gmail. Uh, I have not. Uh, I was. Re- uh, dreading this question because I have not set up my Instagram for like real estate. <laughs> I have my general Instagram, which you can find me like Andy McCormick or I, I am APMC, but uh, there's nothing really besides my wife and my dog on there. So, uh, what well, and okay. I, I have to ask you about you. You have two, uh, French bulldogs, right? Two French bulldogs, Piper and, and Cheryl. Why, <laughs> why Cheryl? I, I like, I have to ask cause you I know, love dogs. And like, I saw that name. I was like, what? You know, we get asked that a lot. And, 
primarily because I thought it was hilarious. It is hilarious. It is funny until she runs across the street and you're out the front door going, Cheryl, get over here. And it's just like, gosh darn it, I, got, I can't do that. Cheryl. Don't worry, my, 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 my parents always had the dog Lady and Tramp and to scream Tramp outside. <laughs> get back here, Tramp! Tramp! That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So yeah, the, the, if they, if they had, if my, my, my family's the ones that, that never changed the names of their pets. So there was like Three ladies and two three tramps. tramps. I love it. They had two parrots named Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> the fish, the fish's names. They would just go get the same fish and they rename it the same name. <laughs> love it. My wife's family did that too. So they, had, they actually had a horse named Dog, or no, they had a horse named Mouse and a dog named like Horse or something like that. They had these super weird names, and they had like three dogs in a row that they all named the same thing. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my that's my parents. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> they listen. Okay, so Andy, um, I just want to thank you so much for coming out. Uh, we got BSing at the, one of the meetups, and I just knew that you'd be perfect for this. We also just have – I don't know anybody else doing car washes in town um, on a personal level, and I thought that that content would just be amazing, and it was. And I, I love how uh, transparent you, but you were with the whole entire business and talking Talking about it, um, and I think that you are going to get some contacts. I do think that you're going to get some people want to JV uh, with you on this. So, thank you so much. Right on. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, to the listeners, thank you so much. Uh, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but last week we hit ten thousand downloads. For what, what? For us, that seems amazing. And maybe for you know, if, you, if you're bigger pockets, you're like, oh, I do that in a day. But but for our podcast, that's great. Denless, thank you for getting us to this point, getting us over the hump. We love you, buddy. Um, thank you to our sponsors. We're finally getting sponsors. And if you want to sponsor our podcast, please reach out to us. My email is ted at omaharia.com. We'd love to get you involved. Uh, sponsorships help keep this ship running. So thank you so much for that. Um, and without any further ado, Owen, will you see us out? On behalf of Rhea Radio, Dennis Bertrand, Ted Kosh, you've been listening to Andy, the Lambo lover. How do you pronounce your last name? McCormick. <laughs> I'm Owen Dashner signing off.